And the baby face. <laughs> and now it's, it's time for Haiku in Review. Nick, can you give me the theme song? The baby face. Seven syllables in the middle. You got five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, hey, no need to fret it. Haikus, they don't need to rhyme. Haiku in Review. Haiku in Review. Mm-hmm. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form just like Dan H did. I really liked it. Way better than two and three. Matrix beat DK. Question mark. BTK. I don't I don't get it. Beat DK. What are we not getting here? Donkey Kong? Drift King? Hmm. Hmm. Dan H Please hit us up. Let us know what you're talking oh, about. We, I don't think it's not making sense to me. Is, is, it a, is it play on NPH somehow? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Is I've never been confused for my haiku. Uh, Jeremy Zuccarello says, it could have been worse. Felt like Lana was coerced. Rank it two of curse. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> that came back around. I love that. And Grant Burton says, they made it, but why? Time for the Matrix to die. Now they can both fly? Did they even try? Why did they recast that guy? I like thugs. Goodbye. <laughs> I like there you go. Here. There you go. Oh, and then Andrew Feisner. Uh, Neo can't take flight. Seemingly made out of spite. Just kind of I. Seemingly made out of spite is great. Now it is time to rank the Matrix cinematic universe currently number one is the matrix number two is the matrix two reloaded number three is the matrix three revolutions where do we rank the matrix four dead last i want to okay paris went dead last (laughs) i'm going to put it out there i want to say i feel like i would put it at number three Mm. because i think that reloaded and this are equal in my book, but I would rather rewatch Reloaded yeah. for the fun. But I think that rewatching this movie, there's more to offer. And I think that there actually is more, even if I didn't love it all, I think that this movie did more than Reloaded or Revolutions did. Mm-hmm. And I got to give it credit for that. And I think that overall, it is a better story than two and three. I just would rather watch two. So I'm still going to give two the, the, the nod. So for me, this is number three. I think the big excuse that those movies have is they came right after. They 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 didn't have any time in the oven. Oh no. That's not true. What? Matrix 1 was 99. Matrix 2 and 3 were 2003. All right. I That's mean a lot of time in the oven. it's still it, yeah, but like the the two of them go back to back. I don't know. This movie had a lot more time in the oven. They really could have made something special. And uh, I think I think everyone feels like they like either Lana did it on purpose or everyone was phoning it in, you know. And um, I think for that reason, I also put it at number four. Uh, I would also put this at number four, uh, only because I feel like there's only a couple of redeemable scenes in this, namely just Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, and everything else is either an interesting idea that never comes to fruition or just absolute downright bad and cringy. Uh, whereas I think a lot – there was a lot of cringy stuff. I'm not to say there's not a lot of cringy stuff 
and two and three for sure. But at least I was mildly interested to see where those stories were going because it was the culmination of the original movie and like that trilogy, and I wanted to see how those played out. But let's never forget the kid. That is every bit as bad as anything that's bad in this movie. But this movie, I think, is is just unwatchably boring, especially on the second watch. I'm like, I just don't ever want to watch this movie again. And after this review, I'd like to not think of this movie ever again. Everything you said is why I say four, but you just made me think of something which would have been Lana's ultimate middle finger to literally everyone. Right, and, yeah, it should have, instead of Niobe, it should have been the kid. It should have been the kid. Oh, my God. Thank, would have been thank God it wasn't. Thank God it wasn't. It's just a kid, and then all of a sudden, he cuts, and Jar Jar Bean comes out of the bathroom. You're like, yeah. wow, we're just bringing everyone back, and we don't like it. Fuck it, why not? That is yeah. the best way to oh, no, end no, it in review. I love it so much. Paris, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, for thank your you for having ever. me. Kind of funny in review. Yeah. I, I'm sure we'll have you back in the future at some point. I don't know for what franchise. I don't know what. When. Better. Well, I mean, Cobra Kai, look, here's the thing. We already have a very, I know. I know. very crowded group. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, Paris, if you're available you're next Paris. Monday at 3.15 p.m. to just hang out and talk, you're welcome. Joey's just gonna come to hang out. Yeah, it's so, gonna get. You should come. It's gonna be fun. All right, I'll, I'll look at the schedule because yeah, I, I, I can talk Cobra Kai all for Oh, we all can. It's gonna be a bunch <laughs> of different conversations. <laughs> but anyways, Paris, where can people find you? Find me right here. Kind of funny. Xcast, baby. You gotta love it. Check out the Xcast every single Saturday at 6 a.m. YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games and of course podcast services. Until next time, I love you all. Goodbye. Welcome back to Kind of Funny's James Bond in Review, where we rank in review all of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. I'm Gettys, Tim Gettys. And let's go around clockwise, starting with Big Kev, Doc, to introduce yourself. Go for it, Kev. <laughs> He's muted. I'm, I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. Sam's taking the Q roll. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's real good. That's real good. And it works with the fucking up, you know? Yep, yep. Next next up. Is that that Andy? You. That was me. Clock. I don't know know where I'm at in your... At a clock? Look at this thing. Oh, I I know that I turned the stream off. Sorry, I apologize. Good Good job. Good start. Here we are. It's all right. Where's money, Pepper? <laughs> Take us home, Andy. Mrs. Money Penny. <laughs> Wait, are you guys oh, Money Penny it. or are you both M? You know what? It doesn't matter. What or matters just... is we're back. We're finally here to end the era of Daniel Craig. This was uh, the final in-review series that we started in the studio, and then it transitioned to work from home. This was the first movie to get delayed, and it is crazy, but years later, we're here. We're about to do this because this is kind of funny in-review, where each and every week we rank and review two different movies in different movie franchises. Uh, We're about to close out Bond right now, and then just to give you a little bit of a tease over the next couple weeks and also for the rest of the year, I'm going to give you the rundown because a lot of people have been asking questions, and it's finally locked in, everybody, and I'm very excited about our schedule. Next week, we're doing a double dose of Halloween with Halloween 2018 and then Halloween Kills. 
Then the week after that, we are starting or no, we're going to go back to MCU and review and do what if. It's going to be a little later than normal because there's new movies coming out. We got to make room for them. So first up will be what if in review. And then later that week, we're doing it. You guys have been asking me. I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of tweets about it. We're going to rewatch every single Spider-Man movie leading into Spider-Way No Way Home, starting with the Raimi movies, then going into the web movies, then going into the MCU movies all the way into December. Then the week after that, we're going to start Ghostbusters in review to lead into Afterlife, and the rest of the year we'll just be returning into different franchises like Edgar Wright in review for Last Night in Soho, uh, MCU in review for Eternals, and then the final new in review of the year will be Matrix in review leading into Matrix Resurrections. Nick Sarpino, you had a question. I was just going to ask Andy if they say that a hero can save us. I don't know what that means. So. Spider-Man 2, baby. You know what, guys? Let's harmonize. Cut it. Shut it down. Start it over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your one chance to get it back. Harmonize. Go for it. <laughs> and they say that a hero can save us. I'm not going to know that that hero is. Is. Oh, boy. <laughs> no that was tough. That was tough. I'm doing it for you, everybody. <clears throat> You can watch it on YouTube.com slash kindoffunny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to listen to it as a podcast, just search your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny in Review, and we'll be right there for you with intros that honestly don't get much better than this, but also don't get much worse. So if no, you like never consistency, they're never worse. You're in the right place. You can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny if you want to get the show ad-free and watch it live as we record it, just like our Patreon producers get to do. Prank C and Molecule, thank both of you so very, very much. Today we're brought to you by Stamps, but we'll tell you about that later. We have no time to waste to talk about no time to die. Runtime of two hours and 43 minutes. It was released after being delayed like five times on October 8th. 2021, making it the 25th James Bond title. That's pretty crazy. Really, really, really damn crazy, which I guess, thinking about it, is MCU the only franchise that has more entries than it? Than Bond? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that, I mean, yeah. not in review. But the what about the Ernest movies? Yeah. Ernest had a, at least no, 17 like, that I remember. I want to say Ernest has like seven, right? Mm-hmm. I've no uh, idea. I remember three. It, I, I I stopped watching Ernest after Ernest goes to prison. I was like, well, I don't need this anymore in my life. It was weird to just go back and look at the our old videos of and of Bond in Review and Episode One Casino Casino Royale. We are still in the studio on March tenth, twenty twenty, and the next following episode, which was Skyfall, I believe, Quantum. or Quantum, uh, Quantum of Solace. Solace. We are with our Logitech webcams. Just doing our best. <laughs> just doing our doing best. Doing our best. Yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> we, but I will yeah. say, the Spectre one, we got a fun little background going on where we got the, the spirals of the, the gun right. barrel. Pretty right. cool shit. Pretty cool shit. Go back and check it out. Uh, also, those videos doing surprisingly well. Some of them are at like 80K. So thank you guys for showing all the love to James great. Bond in review. I got a lot of fun facts about this release here. The film will be Daniel Craig's fifth and final appearance as James Bond. Uh, it will also be Craig's 16th year in tenure as James Bond since his first in Casino Royale back <laughs> in 2006. This will, by tenure, make Craig the longest-running actor playing James Bond in the official wow. series since 
Sir Roger Moore uh, between the early 70s to mid 80s, which ran for 12 years uh, between Live and Let Die and A View to Kill. By film count, Craig will come in third after Sean Connery with six and Roger Moore with seven, although Connery has seven if the unofficial film Never Say Never Again is counted. Connery's tenure is the longest if one counts the period between Dr. No and Never Say Never Again. I'll bet with breaks totaling a whopping 21 years time span. This is the first James Bond movie to feature all the characters of Q, Felix Leiter, Miss Moneypenny, and M since License to Kill in 1989. Uh, so it's been 31 years. The theatrical release of this movie will mark the second longest hiatus in the official James Bond series. The interval between this picture and Spectre is five years and 11 months. The longest gap between Bond movies previously was six years and five months from License to Kill to GoldenEye. Uh, and then it got pretty average in the Craig era to be a four-year gap between the movies, starting with Die Another Day, leading into his first movie of Casino Royale, and then continuing on from there. This one was directed by Terry Joji Fukunaga, best known as director and executive producer of what, Andy Cortez? Season one of True Detective, one of television's finest seasons of television of all time. It won the Emmy for best season of a show. He became the first first director of Asian Descent to win the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series. The music in this one, kind of surprisingly to me, I didn't know this, done by Hans Zimmer. Oh, uh, really? Composer oh, okay. Hans Zimmer replaced director Terry Fukunaga's regular music composer Dan Romer during late 2019 due to creative differences. According to show business trade paper Variety, uh, this picture marks the first time in the 58-year history of Bond films that a composer has been replaced during post-production. In March 2021, the movie's title uh, song, No Time to Die, won the Grammy for Best Song Written for Visual Media, making it the first time that a Grammy has been awarded in this category for a film that was not yet released and the third Bond song ever to win the Grammy for Best Original Uh, Song. As soon as I see music by Hans Zimmer on the screen, I'm immediately listening listening out for it. And you have to watch it again with that sort of framing because it makes it – experience I think a lot more enjoyable and I just love his use of strings and just causing tension and momentum in in a lot of his music it reminded me a lot of honestly a lot of his Nolan movies uh soundtrack when they're trying to create that intensity just oh it's so good dude he just has such a good way of like it's his sound and it it made the experience a lot more enjoyable for me yeah I totally agree I was going to say he was also using iconic 007 like me like sounds mixed into it and it was oh, like dude, that this was this was like a just a journey through all of the last five movies especially all those themes trickled in he was having a great time with it with just the James yeah. Bond theme itself and it's funny because so cool. that theme can stick out like a sore thumb sometimes in some of these movies and I would have thought with a movie that was done with this must have a serious tone that it would have but damn dude they just they just worked it in and interweaved it it was it was yeah the sound design the sound design as well was epic epic movie. Absolutely epic. And we saw it in Dolby Atmos, so that just really added to it. But yeah, the I love, like Zimmer really came in, and what I appreciate so much is you get really great versions of the James Bond, James Bond theme. You get to still hear, like Andy was talking about, that signature sound from Zimmer that you kind of expect that really kind of like moves the thing along. And I think that the score actually really helped with the runtime to kind of keep the whole thing feel like there was a momentum to it. But the coolest thing is how much it weaved in the old character themes that Nick was talking about over the previous couple movies, but also how well it utilized 
the score of Billie Eilish's No Time to Die song. Like, they kept – that was kind of used as, like, the love theme in this movie, and I thought that that was a really, really cool uh, use of it, and getting the Zimmer treatment made it, like, a lot more epic. The Zimmer treatment. I like that. Uh, the budget of this was $250 million, but – that was bumped up to three hundred and one million because of multi marketing false starts. Holy shit. So sad. Yeah. That sucks. That's, that's tough. It's tough. It hit a point they, where it could not get delayed again. They they were just like, We have hit a point that we know we're gonna lose money if we have to delay it again based on how much marketing they, they put in. Because with Bond, the marketing isn't just uh, billboards on the side of a bus. It's the partnerships with watches and partnerships with alcohol and all that stuff. And Cars that's where and all these things. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I mean, Vermont has always been such an interesting um, kind of crossroad of product placement. Where even <laughs> how many times they talk about it, a mega watch in this one, <laughs> all that stuff. The blow your mind. I mean, this is a big <laughs> budget movie, huge movie, um, and I hope that they make money on it. I hope that it works out for them. Well. Looking pretty good, Nick, because they have already made $121 million currently, and that number is essentially – because the movie's been out uh, a couple weeks in uh, other territories. So um, it's, it's doing pretty well, um, and so it, it definitely seems to be tracking, tracking high. So good for them. Definitely well-deserved. Um, what we're going to do here – is give our thoughts on the movie. We'll start off with spoiler-free for everybody that doesn't want to get spoiled and wants to go watch the movie this weekend. And then we'll make it very clear, and we'll shift over into our spoiler-filled thoughts, including a full recap of the plot by one Nick Scarpino. Mm-hmm. Andy Cortez, I want to start with you. Absolutely loved it. I wasn't sure what to expect going into it. I feel like a lot of this franchise, for me, throughout in-review, has been fairly hit or miss, where even if the movie has a lot of enjoyable moments and and sort of cool action sequences. I still feel like there's always something to kind of pick at and say, oh, Fleet Week, oh, the, the the angels are flying overhead, if you can hear them. God damn, they're so freaking loud. Okay, sorry about that. Um, I feel like even if there's a movie that I have enjoyed, like I, I enjoyed Skyfall and... Even through that, there are still little things you can pick apart and say, ah, oh, that wasn't super great, and I wasn't totally on board with that decision. This movie, I think, is the most complete for me overall, where from front to back, I am enjoying pretty much the whole damn thing. And I think a lot of it is due to the characterization of Bond. I think the humor sprinkled in there, like just enough, worked out super well for me. The action sequences were fantastic. The music going along with the action sequences. There are a lot of Mission Impossible type gadgetry stuff that had me just going like, hell yes, this is kind of what I want to see. I want to be impressed and go, damn, that shit's so clever. Um, I really, really dug this movie. I I enjoyed it a lot. I'd say it's probably the first of all of these movies that I can say that I love. Evan Coelho. Uh, So... I have not been a huge fan of the last uh, four movies, and um, I went in this movie, and I was really worried. I wasn't excited at all, and I want to say what? Right away, the action grabbed me. I was just like, man, this is fun, over-the-top, awesome stuff that we want to see from Bond, and then, like, the story really grabbed onto me, too. I think with confidence... Like man, this it blew me away. I I the the time 
flew by. It was, I mean, two, nearly three hours long is a lot, but I think that the way they paced it, I was just having a blast the whole time, and I'm, I'm shocked by that. Nick Sorpino, the biggest James Bond fan I know. What do you think of No Time to Die? Uh, I loved it. I thought it was really good. I think it's like a greatest hits of all the movies that came before it. And, you know, walking out of the theater, it's one of those things where I'm like, this was an interesting accomplishment. I apologize to Jessica going over my head now. Um, it, it really is a five-movie arc for this story. And, you know, having this be Daniel Craig's last one, I was, a, I was, I was very much hoping that it would be befitting of, of all the time and effort that's been put into the prior movies. You know, we've had a couple misfires. People don't like Quantum that much. Um, a lot of people are super confused as to how the Aston Martin got the guns in uh, Skyfall. But nonetheless, I think they really finished strong with this, and I think it's uh, like a, you know, it's a nice like, hey, Danny, good job. You know, this is a, this is a good one uh, to say bon voyage to Daniel Craig as Bond and, and kind of usher us into the new era. And I think that's what they really needed to do. I'm very impressed by the direction of it. The action was great. Um, I found myself kind of torn between wanting to see the action sequences and really kind of invested in the storylines and, and the character arcs, which is great. Um, and I want to give a special shout-out to the, the sort of tone of the movie, which is a lot more serious than the movies that came before. They took this thing, like, they took it to a, a, a cool level. And also just, I'm saying it right now, shout-out to Anna Armas, who, in my opinion, stole the show. Stole the show. Yeah, I mean, I am totally in agreement with all of you. Absolutely loved this movie. I think that it is, Nick, you call it an accomplishment. That's a really good word. I think that its greatest accomplishment is I, similar kind of to Andy and Kev, was going into this like, I don't really know what we're getting from this. Like, it felt like the end of an era stuff just came in the last minute marketing. And I was like, I don't know that that fits right with the previous movies we've seen. Like, we've seen them retire like a bunch of times. Like, what are they going to do? And uh, especially with that runtime, I was like, I'm not sure, like, if that is going to work because with Bond movies, the last couple, there's some convoluted plot points. There's a lot going on. It's kind of hard to follow who's who sometimes with all of the elements. And I was like, a longer runtime is probably just going to allow them to have more complicated things. And they didn't do that at all. They kept this one very simple. There's a story that you can follow along. Everything makes sense. They got all the characters involved that we've known before uh, and working together in, in, in ways that are either predictable for us so, like, we don't need too much set up because we have the understanding on how to, like, learn their language, essentially. And then when there'd be, like, fun twists, they're well set up, and the setup and payoff is all there. The runtime was so much a benefit to the storytelling and character development because they allowed themselves to just have characters talk to each other before getting to the crazy action scene that then was even better because we understood the stakes even more. I feel like uh, the direction of this was was real next level and uh, simply the best direction of the, the Daniel Craig Bond movies and honestly probably of any of the Bond movies that I've seen at least. Um, but yeah, I was totally enthralled the entire way through uh, for an action spy movie like this to keep me engaged for two hours and 45 minutes is the greatest accomplishment it possibly could have had. I do think there are some moments that aren't necessarily earned, but they're very cool. Uh, and I think that they're earned enough for me to be like, you know what? Everything else was done so well that like, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. And Nick, you saying the greatest hits thing. Like, yeah, this really does feel like the greatest hits of the last couple uh, Craig Bond movies. I don't think that there's any like one scene that hits the highs of some of the scenes that we've had in the, the previous centuries, but I don't think it needed to because I think there was just so consistently quality throughout that uh, I, by the end of it, I was just like, damn, like I had that feeling of appreciation for Daniel Craig where it's like, yeah. thank you for these movies. Thank you for what yeah. you did for the last couple of decades. 
And, and you know, there's, and, and, and you know, in a lot of ways, you had to, you had to wrap up a lot of storylines. And and it didn't really occur to me until walking out of that theater that I was like, ah, oh, crap. I mean, there's a full military about me. Um, <laughs> it didn't it didn't really occur. To me. I was like, well, I mean, this is really like the fifth entry into a five movie series that all ties in together, right? Because Spectre, I just kind of blocked out of my brain. Not that it was a bad movie, it was just kind of boring. Um, but that was like Blowfield. That, that was sort of the, the rise of Spectre and Blowfield. And so to have to sort of tie all those in all the way going back to, you know, uh, Casino Royale and some of the stuff that happened there is no small feat. And the fact that they did that and they were able, they were like, you know, screw it. We're going to give it two hours and 45 minutes. We're going to give these characters their due. We're going to give Daniel Craig his time and, and have, and, you know, get some more with Money Penny, get some more with, with uh, Q, get some more with Ray Fine's character who, you know, uh, who I absolutely love as well. Um, it, it was just really nice to see them kind of treat it that way and, and treat it with that respect. Uh, Andy Cortez, I'm going to let it be known right now that from here on out, we are switching to spoiler-filled conversation because we've all laid our piece spoiler-free. Is that fair? Yes, I'll cool. allow it. Now, it's next spoiler time. Andy, go for it. This isn't even a spoiler. I just wanted to point out that I feel like I've been kind of, well, I've been spoiled <laughs> by being able to watch these newer movies at home. Because the last two couple movies that we watch in theaters, I've had trouble understanding what some of the characters are saying, and I think I I, I just miss subtitles. I'll, I'll that's like my non-spoilery thing to say here is that I've been spoiled by being able to watch new movies at home on HBO Max with subtitles, um, because some of the English accents in here can get a little bit lost on me. The same thing with Venom last week, uh, where it's just a product of what's happening on screen with the loudness of the theater. And, uh, yeah, that's just what I wanted to say about that. Um, and that's all I have to say. Great episode, everybody. There we go. Nick, uh, last night when the movie ended, you were talking to me, and you said something that uh, really kind of puts it all into perspective. It's kind of cool how the five movies work, where yeah. Casino Royale and Quantum kind of seem like directly connected. Mm-hmm. Skyfall is kind of the bridge, and then Spectre and this kind of are, are telling a story that is also working to tell a overall story. And it's like, yeah, yeah they, they really did that shit. It's, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. I kind of want to go back and watch Spectre first and then go into this. I mean, it's a very long movie. But I, but I like that they that they had those threads going throughout. Um, it's 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 it really works, and it actually ends up by the end of it, you're like, wow, I really feel for these characters. Even even the um, the the Madeline character, who you know, I thought I honestly thought was like, hey, we're, we're not going to get back to that. I mean, she's a huge part of this one, obviously, and it kind of feels like okay, that's 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 an interesting thread to pick up from that. Again, it's not that this movie. There, I have some minor criticisms. Of oh yeah, that, um, for sure, um, but. One of the things I wanted to bring up early on, uh, so you guys understand the sort of significance of it, was: Are you guys? You, you're probably not familiar, but when when they start talking about all the time in the world, does that resonate with you guys at all? That line. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're driving in the very beginning of the movie, and she's like, "Can we speed up?" And he goes, "We have all the time in the world." And the, for my first thought was, "Fuck, one of them is gonna." Because in Her Majesty's Secret Service, Bond gets married, and your voice cut off a little bit. Oh, uh, at, at the end of uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service which is uh, an old Bond movie starring George Lesenby, was the only one he had done. Uh, the Bond character retires and gets married. And as they're driving on their honeymoon, he says, we've got all, they're, t- they're joking about having all the time in the world, and then she dies, she gets killed. And he holds her in her arms, in his arms, at the end of the movie, and he's like, we have all the time in the world. And it's, it's very, very sad. So the second that uh, Lee Sido's character said that, I was like, oh, shit, I thought she was going to die. I was not expecting sort of how we were going to, to, to end this bad boy. I- um, uh, yeah. If we can talk for a minute about how this movie ends, because 
Like, now that we're in spoilers, like, holy shit, what a definitive way to be like, hey. I'm not doing uh, it again. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but, like, but, like, one, he's, like, you know, choosing to die to, like, protect the people that he loves the most. But then the fact that we see him, like, fully explode, right? Like, like I, hey, by was, the way, no doubt. He's not falling into the water this time and coming back, if, if, you yeah. know, drinking Heineken's in Mexico. He is dead as Dorian. Yeah. I didn't. I I didn't love that. I I just. I think my 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 criticism of the movie, or my my minor criticism of it, is that by the end, I was like, I don't really care about what's going on with Brandon Malik's character. I don't care. And him scratching him with the virus, I was like, <sighs> like we didn't. I I know that we did. We need this to be definitive. But I'm I, I'm I'm part of me is like, why couldn't you just let him retire and have a family and a daughter? Like I don't understand why that couldn't be something that we could do for him. But I guess they're worried in audiences' minds that people will clamor for Daniel Craig to come back. Maybe he pushed for it. I don't know. Uh, maybe he was just like, I don't. I really don't want to do this ever again. Let's put a definitive pin in it. Let's have him die. But um, I just feel like the third act of the movie is kind of where it starts to where it started to drag for me a little bit. Where I'm like, they, they, how many times are we going to run back and forth through this farm before <laughs> I'm like, I don't fucking care about this, this MacGuffin anymore? And then they keep cutting, cutting back and forth to Money Penny and and M. In the room, they're like, "Oh, we're still going. <laughs> Where is he? I don't know." But I mean, again, that that's a minor criticism of the, the rest of the movie, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, I really, I, I was just gonna say, I really enjoyed that, that sort of final, those final sequences. Rami Malek's character, I loved the characterization of it. I loved the way it was acted. I just didn't really care about much of what he wanted to do. It didn't feel. Uh, it felt so secondary to what the main story was even though it yeah. was the main story like yeah it felt like kind of just a side plot thing that you were kind of always like oh remember what rami's doing but don't mm-hmm. you know it's whatever um i feel like i wish it just had more importance in the overall thing um i wish it felt more important even though it was the main cause of all of it um but i i kind of dug the way that they killed him off i i really i i enjoyed it i think it was a I love seeing dudes die. <laughs> uh, I just, I just love the way it was kind of orchestrated and planned out. The uh, couple things I didn't love were after the fact how quickly it all kind of wraps up and all right, Taban, Taban, yeah, Taban, right, and then get back to work. And then I just it felt kind of odd the way they sort of uh, paced and framed those those last few sequences. Um, but I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool and, and a beautiful death, I thought. I wish we didn't see the explosion happen in front of him. I wish it was just like missiles are coming down. We cut to, to Lee Sado. Lee Sado? How do you pronounce Sado, I think. Lee Sado. I just wish it, it had cut to her perspective, seeing the explosions from her side of it. Um, but I thought it was beautiful. It reminded me of Bruce Willis in Armageddon, everybody. Spoilers. Yeah, I, I I liked the death. I, I liked that he mm-hmm. died. I, I kind of agree with the, some of the sentiments here. Just like the way it kind of happens and the way it got there is like not the cleanest thing in the movie. And I just think that the the villain as a whole in this movie is definitely the weakest part. And if he's the weakest part, hey, it was a pretty damn good movie because like he was still scary as shit. That opening scene with him was utterly incredible. It felt more like a horror movie, like a good horror movie than a, a James Bond movie. Uh, spoiler, full spoiler talk. My 
first disappointment in the movie came with the first shot, which is we get the circles, and he does the iconic James Bond thing, like shooting the, the camera thing. And I was like, oh, I like it more when it's kind of like part of the movie, like integrated a little bit. And then way later at the end when oh. we get the like one shot of him going through and he goes down the hallway and does it in the movie, I lost my shit. And I was yeah. like, holy were- crap. You just took that disappointment I had and flipped it on his head and yeah. made one of the most incredible, like, hype moments that I've, I've seen in Bond. Terry Fukunaga, like, popped in and was like, what do you think about that, Tim? I didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, – Kevin, do you have a hand raised? Uh, yeah, but I was going to take it another topic, so if you want to keep talking about Oh, that. yeah, I was just going to talk about hype moments. So, so that moment was great for me, but the moment that I had was, like, the intro of this film, which is, like, 30 minutes long or however long it was – you know, traditionally you have that, you have maybe, maybe, what, a five to ten minute long scene that's generally pretty action oriented. Of course, in Casino Royale, we have the moment where he has to go do his final kill, and then we have that intercut black and white with him beating the shit out of the guy in the in the uh, uh, bathroom. bathroom, and then, you know, it ends with that shot, right? This one just goes on and on and on, and then it's like gut-wrenching where he's like, you're never going to see me again, and the train pulls away, and right when like as it pulls away and she's running, she's running, running, and looks over and then she can't see him anymore, and and then the little dots start coming in. I was oh. like, that is mm-hmm. perfect. It was amazing. Perfectly like, done, I, and it's so retro and so old school. And what a nice homage! Like just the dots coming in, very nice. It made me feel like I was watching a Bond movie from the early '60s, '70s, things like that. And then of course we go into the more, more modern graphics, which I thought um, the scene was amazing. It was chill. It was chill worthy. The whole sort of transition into it. You're absolutely right. And what I needed was Tim or just someone in theater to be like, come on, baby. Like, it, it, just, it felt awesome, man. It was hype as shit, dude. Yeah. It's Leah Seydoux. Uh, Leah Seydoux. Leah Seydoux. Real quick, just uh, to fit into a couple of what I was saying about the disappointment turning into hype, another moment I had like that was uh, when she, at some point it was like, my name's James, and like, he didn't do the line, and I was like, they're going to come back somehow with it. Oh, I did not the, the color, right? Them to do it how they did it at the end, which was fucking beautiful and honestly made me tear up but having her talking to the kid and say let me tell you about your dad his name was bond james bond are you fucking kidding me he had to die so that moment could happen because it was fucking beautiful yeah that little kid was good casting too she yeah totally yeah, yeah, she nailed yeah. It. i think oh, for, yeah. oh, oh, Kevin was trying to say something for oh I, I so i was just gonna say but hype moments like they're um or like powerful moments there was the uh Right before, there was a point where we were talking to Felix and he's on the boat. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself, man, this guy is such good casting for this character. He's so charismatic. And it's like the next shot, he gets shot in the in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And like right away, I was like, oh, like it that's makes, the end. Like he's going to die. What if? What, what if he hadn't gotten shot? <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Oh, no, 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 that was good. But I, it just, it was one of those moments where it's like I've always enjoyed the Felix character, but something about this movie, like the moments he had, I thought really just nailed that character. And then to see him die and the way he dies, just another like beautiful ending to you know yeah. relationships. Ending. Kevin and I had a lot of great just sort of like back and forth talking to each other moments. And at one point, Kevin leans over and goes, man, that's a lot like Fox die. Yeah, yeah, it dude. is. Yeah. And then later on, they go, oh, those are nano nano robots or it's nanobots. The three of us. Nanobots. I was like, what are you what? laughing at? I was like, oh, that's hella funny. so fucking funny, man. Like, yeah, we, we all were feeling the same thing of just like, this is a 
this is Metal Gear. Yeah, it's definitely Metal Gear. And then for it to be that on the nose, it's like, yeah. okay, that's fucking cool as hell. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you guys. What did you, how did you feel about the crazy German or Russian scientist guy that kept explaining everything that was going on I, to the audience? Dude, I love, I always love, the Pierce Brosnan movies, they, like, at least the, what's the one, the one with, I feel like there was the the guy, the crazy guy that would always yell. Goldeneye. Like, I'm invincible. Yeah. Yes. And it just reminded me so much of that character. So I was very much in where I love having the stupid scientist that is way over the top. Also, I, I really like huh? – I was going to say, I, 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 liked, I liked him 50-50. There were some times where I'm like, I understand you're putting this character in this to kind of explain what's happening to the audience. But at one point, he dipped into the, the Mathis character where he's like – they're going to the flop right now. And it's like, Mathis, you don't have to explain how poker works. Like, either you get it or you don't get it, right? Um, but but I ultimately I was like, all right, it came around. It was just the right amount of, like, silly humor that I think it worked, except for his death I felt like was a little bit weird because he just, like, was turned into a super racist all of a sudden and then double seven like, fuck it, just kicks him into the ass. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay, that was, yeah. that was fast. We could have ramped that up a little bit. That seemed like it came out of nowhere, and yeah. uh, but then he like, also got, got his character somehow. He got a death very similar to the the invincible guy, where yeah. he was the liquid nitrogen thing. Yeah. Um, I also really liked that we got uh like a crazy henchman with a cool nickname again, with Cyclops. Cyclops. Yeah. yeah, or at least I guess that wasn't his nickname. That's just no. What... It was in the credits. Oh, it Cyclops. Was... It was his name, and then in parentheses, Cyclops. So awesome. he's I, yeah, not going I, to be known think, as Cyclops. I think that was Double Seven just being a dick. Oh, yeah. But anyway, oh, yeah. I I enjoyed that. I liked his the little gimmick that they had with him and the one eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought all that stuff was yeah all that it was just enough gadgetry and Bondness to keep me like this is a Bond movie because I think very easily they could have strayed more into like darker territory and I think the tone could have shifted more into like a true detective very easily. I mean, it starts off if if you saw this movie the beginning of this. And as an HBO show and didn't, didn't and it wasn't a Bond movie. It could very easily be a true detective style like thriller show from just the beginning that that first scene, right? Those jump and scares. It was it was yeah. scary shit. And, and and Remy Malek's character, that that mask that he wore, the just the hauntingness of everything being like Snow White was was just not not Snow White, sorry, White as Snow rather is what I meant. Like everything just just you know. We, yeah. We gotta. I was gonna say we gotta add a bit more white hair or just. Age him up a little more. That was the thing too. I was like, "How old were you back then?" (laughs) Yeah, come on. Were you twelve back then? (laughs) Now you're like forty something. What the hell? In the photos, he is very young. So I do think it happened when he was very, very young. So he did. He wait fifteen years and then come hunt. hunt He's got to get good at killing. That was a weird. So here's my thing: is like, I, I think Remy did a great job, but this character was very close in my brain to Javier Bardem's character in Skyfall, so much so that I wish that they had just had this been Javier Bardem because I think he could have, that would have made more sense to me of him like being a little bit more of like Bond's contemporary. Not to, not to say that Remy Malek didn't do a great job in the scenes that he were absolutely captivating to me, but it did read to me like he's like 25 years old doing this and it just wasn't, it was a little bit, it was a little bit weird for me. Yeah. Especially in the beginning where I'm like, wait, how's this aging working up? Like, Because he should be like in his 40s in this, right? It's definitely the most disappointing of the villains, I feel, because of the potential. Because I think, again, the acting and the line delivery and the presence that he had on screen, I think is one of the best villains we've had. 
I just wish that the writing and sort of, uh, you know, plot okay. had yeah. – I, I wish they'd utilize them a bit better and in a bit smarter um, – in smarter ways because I think yeah. he could have been like the perfect villain. I loved what – you're right. I loved when he was on screen. It was captivating, dude. He's – I just love his line delivery, but uh, yeah. again, it just they just didn't give him a whole lot interesting to do, unfortunately. And, and I think that, in my, in my like in my opinion, I think the Javier Bardem uh, the Silva M relationship was what really made that for me. Right? It was like a mother estranged son twisted fucked up relationship, and obviously, like and this is no you know disrespect to the Madeline character, but she hasn't been with us for five movies, whereas M Judy Dench's character was. And, you know, she's near and dear to the heart of every Bond fan. And so seeing her be in jeopardy and her being sort of the impetus for this this person's, like, crazy twisted revenge plot, I think hit a little bit more close to home and maybe gave Javier Bardem a little bit more to go off of from the characterization. Um, and also his his – I think his MacGuffin was a little – I can't remember the heck, heck. I think he was a computer guy, right? That's a little bit yeah, more believable than nice. nanobots that kill you based on your DNA. That seemed uh, – so It's cool as shit. Don't get me wrong. fucking cool. And, and it, uh, <laughs> Outside of the realm of Bond, right? This is a series that traditionally has had like invisible cars and shit. But I'm not saying yeah. that can't exist. But this Bond, this movie felt very grounded. And so when we when we dipped into that, I felt like they needed to have the characters over explain why this can work. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right, it's, it's fine. I'll look. It's so funny because we're so like, there's a good chunk of the company right now, specifically. Uh, what Andy, me, and Barrett, we just played uh, Metal Gear, Gear yeah. and like this is a major component in Metal Gear. The Fox mm. die, which is a virus that is tied to DNA and goes cool after specific people, is such a cool name. Uh, Real quick, before we get to the plot, uh, I wanted to say two things about the tone of the seriousness versus the, the kind of like campiness of some James Bond things. I think this movie definitely has the best balance of any of them so far, where uh, the the scene where we're kind of first introduced to this Fox die type thing of him being there, and it's like, the man of the hour, Bond, and the light goes on him, everyone's oh. looking at him, and it starts raining down, like... I was so enthralled with what was going on where I was like, how, how is this going to work? How are they going to explain this? How, why is it killing only some people and not others? And then when it's like revealed, like, oh, it's tied to the DNA and that's all of Spectre is now killed. I'm like, holy shit, that ramped up Brilliant. so quick, but it's so fucking cool. So, um, and yeah. then in terms of the gimmicky or, or like the, the gadgets and stuff, I think they, they played with it and made it serious where it's like, cool, it's doing this like, old school campy James Bond thing of like the car with the gun turrets and all that stuff. But the way they had the shot of James not trusting her, her sitting next to him, the car, everyone's shooting at her towards show. the window and the, you know, the windows, it's a gadget. It's like this it's unbreakable car, but we're seeing it break and Bond doesn't give a fuck. Cause he's just like trying to break he's her. Himself, yeah, and right. I'm like, this, that is so cool because it like grounds this, super goofy thing into the world and I, I really appreciate that that I thought it was well done. I just I, feel like the the idea behind the nanobonds being like, hey, we're gonna this is unstoppable and you can never turn them off. That to me is always kind of like you're painting yourself into a bit of a corner, right? Because we also have like technology here where you can drop a little fucking Alexa unit off and like three D map an environment. I'm like, really Q can't figure out how to fucking go in there with that? I was saying sonar, you know what I mean? Absolutely, like a like a like a bat. No, Mr. Fox, like a X-ray machine. Um, I, I can't remember the name. I'm sorry, Eddie. I feel but so I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's a little far fetched, right? So when we get to the end, when he's supposed to be making this grand sacrifice, I'm like, really, you don't think you're not going to give it another couple days to see if Q can figure that one out? Like, but the you know reality I mean? is, the reality is, the sacrifice wasn't to save her. The sacrifice was to open the gates. 
Like, there was no way he had a, uh, he was shot in the leg. There was no way he was going to be able to make it off. Like, he was on the top of this giant tower. I know that they set it up and made it look like, oh, he's killing himself so that he can, uh, like, he won't get her to die and kill his daughter. But the reality is he sacrificed himself to open the gates so this virus never went yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, he had to go back, yeah. and it's arguable he, he wouldn't have time to get out of there. But, I mean, yeah, think about Christ. The dude fell from a train. He got shot twice in the chest, fell from a train, in went a river, down a waterfall, and in still In a river. Lived. It's all good. He no, could have jumped off that. He could have could have like that, off but The dolphins in the water helped him. They helped him. Exactly. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> before we go into the, the plot, I, give me two things. Uh, there's go two things it. I want to bring up. Uh, uh, damn it, and I've forgotten the first one, so we'll just move on to the second one, which is one thing that I didn't like, and I understand why they did it, is her, the 007 giving the title back to him for this final mission, and I yeah. get that that's like a retirement, you know, like, oh, yeah, he's back for one more game so he can retire in our thing, but I just felt like it was so cool that they were like, hey, man, the name has moved, or the, you know, the 007 title that. has moved on. That was awesome, and it just felt a little weak for them to be like, all right, we're going to reinstate you as a 007. Well, no. And couldn't disagree more, Kev. I, I, I feel you, Kev, but uh-huh. I, and first off, shout out to LaShawna Lynch. She's fucking oh. great job. And the first time we see her, I was like, that is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. Like, what a great way to introduce a character. She just walks through that club with those dope-ass glasses on that are, like, reflecting all of the neon lights and the heat of the club, and she just looks at him for a second, doesn't say anything. And you might, like, if you blink, you might miss it. You might not see her. And then, of course, her being in, like, undercover and all that shit. Fucking great, right? Um, I love it, because what it tells everyone is, we get it, right? Like, we're gonna, it's a sign of respect. She's the younger agent. She's trying to show him up the entire time. When they finally start working together, she's like, I'm going to show this. I'm going to show this, like, this historic agent his, his a little bit of respect, give him back the title for just this one last time. I thought that was really cool. Although I, I was like, I don't know. I, I love that. I love the setup of her being the new 007. I think that is so fucking cool. And what a great starting point. Of being <laughs> like, dude, you retired. You left. You've been left behind. The newer class has come up. She's a badass. Deal with it. Also, the, the comedic moments that they built oh, up with great. those were so good. Every time, I'm like, and what's his designation? <laughs> designation. Dude, Daniel Craig has great chemistry with everybody. <laughs> he did great. He did great. I love that, by the way. And, you know, obviously, like, goes without saying, but I like that there was no romantic thing going on between I, yeah. him and Anna the Armas or him and, and, and Lashana Lynch. They kept him true to, like, him being in love with, uh, with the Madeline character. I thought that was good. And I think that just opens up more room for them to have more of a camaraderie between all the agents. And, like, dude, again, before we – shout out to Anna the Armas' character. I want to know more about this agent. Yeah. Well, he's just, like, so on the cool. job for three weeks. And then starts fucking high-kicking motherfuckers with an MP7 three in their hand. Huh? And I was like – he's like, free like, give or take. I was like, dude, what a great – just get in, destroy the scene, get the fuck out. Go have a, go have a, a Starbucks. I fucking loved it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, damn, I loved it a lot. So to talk about that a little bit more, um, I really appreciate how she kind of doesn't come back. I like that she just had her moment and kind of subverts expectations that we have of what a Bond girl is. I think she was simply incredible. Every single shot of her on screen was magical. I love how kind of nervous she played. Or like well, her, like, like drinking. The, 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 yeah, not, it was just so, so damn good. But all, all the red herring. Love before it. we get to the plot, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. If you've got a small business, you know there's nothing more valuable than your time. So stop wasting it on trips to the post office. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your computer. Save time and money with Stamps.com. Send letters and packages to the left with discounted rates 
from USPS, UPS, and more. Joey uses Stamps.com all the time for all of our Patreon fulfillment, and she swears by it. Stamps.com brings the service of the U.S. Postal Service and USPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in an office sending invoices, a side hustle, Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supply or equipment. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and with my promo code KINDAFUNNY, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitment or contract. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in kind of funny. That's stamps.com, the promo code kind of funny, stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. And now, Andy, kick it. James Plot. <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick off the plot to No Time to Die, the final of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. We have all the time in the world. Of course, we start off in Norway, I want to say. This is where I tried to go to the bathroom, by the way, when they when they went back to the scene. And I went and I refilled my sodas, came back. The line of the bathroom was so long, I was like, now I have a choice to make, Kevin. It's been an hour and a half. I've had to pee so badly. Do I just go back in that theater and ride the lightning? And it was the wrong choice because from that part out, I was like, I'm riveted by this. I'm stuck here. I almost, oh yeah. I almost <laughs> just peed myself. Uh, anyway, we start with a young Madeline Swan witnessing the murder of her mother. Uh, this is that, that haunting imagery of uh, – That was of, Norway, uh, I think. Was it Norway? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is his character's name? Dang it. I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, Remy Malik. Mr. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Something or other. Anyway, coming out, of course, uh, avenging the death of his family by the hands of Mr. White, who I kept Yo, Mr. White these movies a bunch of times. I kept thinking Blofeld was her dad. I was like, they let her be with her dad. I'm like, no, he's not her dad. He's just the guy that tried to kill her. Mr. White is her dad. He died in the last one, right? Yes. No. Yeah, no I had to. Mm-hmm. You better believe I watched some recaps. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. Anyway, uh, brutal scene where the mom is clearly having a difficult time dealing with the fact that her husband is a murderer. Um, and then Mary Malik comes in and just straight up guns her down. And then for some reason just decides to save Madeline uh, underneath the ice. Uh, and then, of course, is, is sort of connected to her throughout the years. Uh, and then what a great transition, though. Fafan is his name. Excuse me. Yeah. Of, of her under the ice, which under ice scenes are always scary. We yeah, even got right. one in Skyfall, right, I think? Yes. And like he used a little flare and shit to figure out where the hell that the hole was. What an but accurate the, shooter. Didn't hit her once. Yeah. <laughs> like I like you see her under the water, the bullets are flying around her. Uh the the cut though between her being a little kid under the ice popping up and it cutting to the time jump of her with Bond, I was like, Oh, this is hype, let's go. Uh real with, quick uh, with uh, for a little science with Kev, the uh when you shoot a gun in water, the effective range of like the deadliness is only like a couple feet, and r- you have to remember that she, he's also sh- shooting, shooting through, ice, yeah. through thick ice. And we're talking about like two inch ice. Like that's all going to make it way less lethal. Basically, Sam, if you want to go into the ice right now, we'll shoot you. Just come out with a couple bruises, you'll be fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. a couple uh, surface bruises. Yeah. After the scene, we catch up with uh, Madeline and James after the events of Spectre. They are now over in Italy. Uh, and they're just cruising around, man. Uh, this is during some sort of uh, ceremony where the Italians decide to burn things. 
uh, and I've never seen this before. I was not allowed to play with matches growing up, but I'm going to forward this scene to my mother <laughs> and say, see, this is why my childhood was unhappy. Why wouldn't you let me burn all of that furniture that I had to just dust every single summer, every week? My brother got the vacuum. I was like, the vacuum is the fucking easier job. I got to dust the horse. And if I break it, someone's going to be mad at me. I think it was more of a just a symbolizing. <laughs> like this, symbolizing. <laughs> letting go, letting go. Yeah. Uh, of course. Uh, burning things you didn't want to do. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, Madeline wants him to let go of his past with Vesper Lind, who is not over yet. He wants he wants her to go uh, and, and forget to, to their tomb, to her tomb, and forgive her. Um, and Bond's like, well, you got some secrets too, but he'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, the next day, of course, he heads over to her tomb. Uh, and when he gets there, he burns a letter that says, forgive me. Um, and as he does that, uh, it, the thing explodes. Oh. I, I like the sound design here as well because he's got that, like, shell shockedness and trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, they loud. The explosion was loud. Yes. I, yeah, I, just, but they... I, I flagged you something I would like you to read. It says, the tomb goes boom. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's what I want. Uh, it's just absurd that they're like, put more explosives, you know? Like, Dude, that would that should have killed him. That, that door smacked yeah, him about. One like the abilities that James Bond has is not to get killed by explosives because there are several times where grenades go off right next to him. Oh yeah, right. and he's just uh, and he and stands also, back up. It's the, like the all ear, right, the eardrum fortitude on this oh, guy. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I'd I'd be I would be I would have no hearing left if an explosion like that went off next to my old ears. But he he works out. And this scene, this scene, you were talking about sound design, impeccable. You know, like the, this, this I think is one of the best uh, up there with Saving Private Ryan. Obviously, that is like a much more iconic, better like overall scene. Uh, but with this, and just in terms of sound design, I was like, damn, this is the one of the the better modern uses of that type of ringing effect, and like the way that it really disorients us and him. Hundred uh, percent, couldn't agree more. This, of course, kicks off a great action sequence with even more great sound design uh, where Bond is chased by Cyclops. He ends up getting the better of Cyclops. And I love this, by the way. It doesn't really have that hard of a problem. Uh, uh, you know, he's still he's been out of the game for five years at this point, but he's there, or however many years at this point. Actually, no, I'm sorry. This is no, yeah, this is right after Spectre. It's not the time jump is a little bit later when he goes to Jamaica. Um, which, by the way, don't let me forget so to explain the, cool, the, yep. the relevance of that later, um, unless you have that time. But. Um, uh, this kicks off a great action sequence with ends, with ends with him jumping on a motorcycle. That moment where he goes up the ramp and launches himself, Ugh. which we saw in trailers, but it was a million times. Yeah, fuck. but like also real convenient that all these steps in the middle have that mound so that he yeah. can just drive on it. Now that's I, how they I, used to do it, Kevin. They used to do it back when they built these cities back in the early 12th century. Mm-hmm. They were like, we need to snowboard down these things. Like, there's, stairs yeah, are for suckers. Yeah, when it snows, yeah, they, they need to be able that. to skate down these things. The ancient yeah, Romans were like, oh, we need, to, we need to skate down. We've yeah. seen the sequence so many times in trailers, Everything. and it was just as badass. <laughs> him, diving, him diving at the block as the car comes at him is such a cool effect. Yeah, that was rad. Anyway, oh, yeah. the amount of car flips in this movie? A lot of car flips. Oh, God. That, this movie gets the, the car flip two thumbs up from Tim Gettys. Yeah, um, Earlier when I was saying the action got me right away, it was this. It was the, like that car flipping and him diving in that block. Holy shit, that was amazing. And it's and it's important, right? Because at the end of the day, this is this is a, a spy 
like thriller. It's an action thriller, movie, yeah. right? I wouldn't say uh, it's it? an action movie, right? Uh, a spy action movie. And so, you know, that that was one of the disappointing things about Spectre was it was like I'm just like I don't. There's nothing for me to really care about here. And even when the action sequences kick up, they're not memorable. Um, and these are just fun. They're well directed and of course uh, well motivated. He beats Cyclops up. He goes and grabs Lee. Uh, or he goes and grabs Madeline, who he blames for this for double crossing him because she's still got secrets and they're having trust issues. Uh, she has not shared everything, and they go and they get uh, into the uh, Aston Martin, who ha- which has a, either a new Aston Martin that's been rebuilt, or some or Q has been working on it for years. I don't understand how he keeps getting these cars. Oh, Jesus but Christ. Andy, I would be pissed off, just beside myself, if it weren't for the fact that he had another fucking Aston Martin that was a later year model, like a '70s Aston Martin that I want to say was from Her Majesty's Secret Service, but don't call me on that chat if I'm wrong. In another in a storage place, in another garage, in another in part London. of London. I was like, yeah. you know what? That explains it, Tim. That yeah. explains it. He just yeah. keeps these cars everywhere. That I love it. Finally. I love it. She gets it at they the end. They watched the interview. They're like, we're doing this for Nick. <laughs> but again, significant. I could I, be wrong about this. I'm spitballing, but I'm pretty sure that was the make and model of the Aston Martin that he was driving when his wife dies in Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is why that's significant at the end of the movie where when Madeline and his daughter are driving. But I could be wrong about that, Chad. If I'm wrong, never tell me. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> you get that great sequence that we were talking oh, about no. where everyone everyone surrounds him and they start shooting him. And we've seen this in the trailers. But, of course, Bond is just sort of waiting for, for you know, the emotional proof that Madeline didn't betray him. And, she, and it's such a great scene because he's trying to break her, but she just says, James. And he goes, all right. Like, I'm being stupid. Right? I'm, Obviously, okay, yeah, I got to say it. Love I got to get us out of this. And then just kicks it up, fucking mini guns, everything around him. And it's, it's at this point, if I were Cyclops, I'd be like, let's do put my head into a brick. He popped my eye out, and now he's got mini guns coming out everywhere. I'm going to retire. What I'm else gonna, can this man do? What can he do? <laughs> what can he not do? My brain is spilling out of my skull right now. <laughs> uh, of course, they end up getting away. I can't remember how. And they go over to the train station where Bond puts Madeline. They just kind of lose them. They just kind of yeah. lose them. I, I mean, he do all the them all up. The, the Caltrops moment that was really cool, though. Just Dropping the Caltrops underneath and the other car like running over. Them. Do, but a car. Yeah. yeah. That was dope. Um, and I like the old school buttons, too. That, that, that hit for me. Uh, of course, he puts her on the train, and she says, like, how, how, will I, how will I know you're safe or something like that? And he says, you're never going to see me again. And oh. the train pulls away, and she does that. Thing she follows him, but eventually the train goes too far, and she can't see me more. And that kicks off title sequence. And there is a moment right there. That I could have sworn, I don't know if I manifested it within my own brain and my own eyeballs, but I was telling Kevin that, like, I thought that she was pregnant because I could have sworn she, like, grabbed her stomach. She does that. have a, she has a weird placement of her arm, which I was like, that's weird, but I didn't, I I, I, ne- I never put it there. Like, also, I don't know they, if she as was they're driving away on the train, like, I could have sworn she kind of grabbed her, like, herself in a way that kind of indicated hey, she might be pregnant. So Didn't see the pregnancy plot coming at all. Nick that was very fucking cool. I, that was crazy. I love how they set it up with, like, she constantly is lying about shit, and it's yeah. like, everyone's like, don't trust her. Yeah. Uh, so uh, here we are. Time to rank the James Bond intro songs and go. visuals. Currently, mm-hmm. number one, we have... Skyfall by Adele. And I, I just rewatched uh, all of them going into yeah. this, and fuck, man. Skyfall, holy shit. Now, if I'm not mistaken, we gave Skyfall number one for the strength of the song, mm-hmm. which I think is, in my opinion, the best oh, song of all the Daniel Craig songs. So it'll be interesting to hear this one. This one, I thought the visuals are great. Still not a huge fan of the Billie Eilish song, though. 
for oh, for what oh, it is. Number one, we have Skyfall from Adele from Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Number two, we have Another Way to Die from Alicia Keys Quantum and Jack Black uh, from Quantum of Solace. Then we have from Casino Royale, Chris Cornell's You Know My Name, mm-hmm. uh, which is a banger. And then at last place, uh, Distant Force, <laughs> we have Sam Smith's The Writings on the Wall right. from Spectre. Uh, so now where do we want to put No Time to Die from Billie Eilish? Nick, go first. I, I'm inclined to put it right above uh, the Sam Smith song, so at number four. I, I loved it. I thought the visuals were amazing, but I just feel like that song, it just is not hype. And it's unfortunate because when I think of the other ones, I think of they're such a – they're iconic almost. They're such a, t- a sign of the times, the Chris Cornell song, which are like, ah, we're coming straight into like the early 2000s for that, or like, you know, they're the mid-aughts, as Kevin would say. Uh, the, the Adele song is a song I sometimes where I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking having a good day right now, Tim. I'm feeling myself. I fire up some fucking Skyfall. Oh, yeah, because dude. Adele is the only one, Andy. <laughs> She's the only person on this fucking planet that gets me. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> okay. wow, wow. Interesting. Huge. I, I put it number four. Yeah, this one's weird for me because I I think this one might have the visuals that I enjoyed the most. The gum um, spiraling was fucking sick. My, my problem yeah, with it, cool. my problem with it is like, I don't, I, I dislike the progression of the song. I wish that it kicked in harder when it does kick in. I think, like, you know, you do get some, some percussion later on. Um, I just need that sort of to be a more impactful fan. Like, now we're all going right now. But I I do like the song overall. I just kind of wish that it when it did kick in, it was a bit more hype. I would put this at uh, – I would put this at number two underneath Adele. Kevin? I really like the Adele song, but just something about the way this all kicked in. I didn't like this song when I heard it just on its own, but with the the video behind it in that moment, oh, man, it hit real hard. I would put this one as number one. Yeah, for me, uh, I it's probably mid somewhere. I similarly don't love the song, but I think the movie, watching it, especially the use of the score, kind of utilizing the aspects of the song, and also the song itself kind of being light kind of progression of the James Bond theme itself, I really enjoyed. Um, the biggest problem with it is what Andy's talking about. It lacks an explosion moment. Okay. Like, Skyfall builds and builds. It's dope the whole time. And then it has that moment where she's like, Skyfall, and then there's, like, the choir in the back. Like, come on. Like, that's so right. good. And this movie, it has the ramp, to, or this song has the ramp to it. There's this instru- instrumental break where it's just kind of ratcheting up with the strings, and it's going and going. And then it just goes back to Billie Eilish in the same. Like, it needed a motherfucking key change, yeah. Andy. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? It needed, yeah, yeah. it needed the where you go, I go part, you know? Yes, exactly. Like that, that fun, that we're like, oh, we're not quite done yet. And then it ramps, and it ramps, and then it hits. Yeah, and like, dude, Skyfall, number but one. The visuals, fucking incredible, uh, amazing, so so good, and and I think that the the mixing of the the, the time symbolism, the death symbolism, the life symbolism, the guns turning into the DNA helixes and all that stuff. Go for it. Did you? I mean, I could be reading a lot into this, so you know, I got to go back and watch it. But there was a lot of the other titles in yeah. too, which was There's, super cool. You we see got the hands. We got the hearts. We got him underwater, so it was it was very much like, hey, we're we're bringing all those elements together, and this is it. This is yeah. it. Yeah, and because of all that, I put it at number two. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Good is that job, Tim. Great job. Great so job. so there we go. The the rankings yeah. of the Daniel Craig Bond songs. Number one, Skyfall. 
Number two, no time to die. Number three, another way to die. Number four, you know my name. And number five, the writing's on the wall. Back to it, Nick. Uh, this is where we pick up. And by the way, uh, this is my favorite shot in this movie. And this one might be one of my favorite sequences in this movie. The title comes out in like sort of a, a wipe. And as it wipes, it does like a clock wipe and then comes straight. And it's the side of that building that those guys are climbing. Yeah. And oh, my the, God. Like, this shot. That is this the shot. coolest fucking shot cool. I've ever seen. And yeah. I love that it's just. You, you only see these guys in silhouette, by the way. Like, at no point do you – I mean, later in the sequence, you kind of see a little bit of their faces and stuff. It's, but, I, I mean, this shit looks Metal Gear as fuck. <laughs> yeah, dude. Fucking gecko suits. The, the way they're fucking coming down, too, like, upside down, and the camera, like, flips with them. Mm-hmm. So, that, they're, so they're right side up, and we're upside down as they come into the hallway. It's so cool. Yeah. And they burn oh. – they just like, they have those two cool things that burn the, the window the out. laser, yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, like, drops perfectly. Did, did we already, yeah, I thought the glass would have been a lot louder. <laughs> did we already <laughs> jump five years later? Yeah. This is five years later, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So We're right at the start, cool. Yeah. Or however many years later. Yeah, it's cool. Know. An iconic scene. But Andy, like, looked away right at that moment and then <laughs> looked back. And I was like, he definitely, I was like, Andy, Andy, it said jump five years later. And he was like, oh, cool. I missed that. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, like, perfect. It was perfect time of me looking at Nick and Nick, me and Nick both at the same time. That was fucking awesome. Like the visuals of that. Yeah. And then Kevin was like, Andy, five years later. I was like, what? Five years later. I, I felt like awesome. that was an important <laughs> thing. <laughs> kind of important. That's so yeah. funny. But what I love about this is this is kind of a, a perfect example of setting the tone of the direction of this movie and like how I think it's just so superior to the direction of the, the prior films because we've seen cool camera shots in, in movies and we're all suckers for that. Every time it's like, oh, spin the camera, we're probably going to be into it. Whether it's the Rock and Statham fighting and like doing the suplex and the camera goes with it, or Thor Ragnarok when we get that that throne roof shot as it kind of goes up and, and twists. So like to wow, or even Spider Verse, right, where we see him kind of like uh, rising Upside up down. as he's falling and all that. Yeah. This shot kind of combined all of those elements in different ways to be something fresh like I have never seen before. Like the fact that they are coming down the uh, skyscraper and the way the camera flips the other way and the way it lingers on the shot of them being right side up, but the skyscrapers that we're seeing behind in the way, way, way vista are upside down from the sky. It's like, this is so cool. And again, it goes back to the runtime. This movie allows itself to have cool shots and to establish not just character moments, but like locations in a way that we haven't seen before. So fuck yeah. Absolutely. Um, And by the way, Kevin, you're probably the only person in this group that, that has ever done this. Have you ever dropped one of those like four by eight, pieces of plywood like if you just hold them up and you let them tip over they go like yes. this yeah like they actually catch wind they don't yeah, stand yeah, yeah. down but they do exactly what this glass did which it kind of the wind underneath it pressed it up and it kind of like floated down so cool. i was like that yep. was freaking cool uh anyway they go in and they gotta steal the mcguffin here uh including uh dr valdo over Overchef. Uh, who gets a call right before all this stuff happens from from Saffron, who was like, uh, hey, hold on, hold on, let's back up a little bit. Right before the call, he gets pranked by a bunch of assholes. You yeah, know what I mean? And he lets them die because maybe they deserve it. I don't know. Oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Andy. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying shit, you know? Let that be a, a message to Snowbike Mike when he starts the new studio. Don't 
prank Kevin. Real time. Yeah, we'll do it. Do not do it. Uh, this whole sequence is really, really cool. This is one of the moments, though, I wish that they did not need to have him talk because as they shoot the magnets down, the uh, they steal the whole thing, kill everyone else, kidnap him because they need him to program this stuff, and then they shoot a bunch of magnets down the elevator, and we get it. The guy jumps down. The first guy jumps down, and he stops. And then Oprah goes, magnets. I'm like, it doesn't. It didn't matter what it was. Nick, you know, what happened? you know what happened? Do you know what happened three seconds before Oberdin says magnets? What? You said magnets? I looked over at Andy. I grabbed her. I said, magnets. Yes. You know what? Dude, you know this who did this shit better? Mission Impossible Fallout. When they had the magnet, magnetic vest, remember? And he had to jump down the thing, and he had kept magnetizing himself. That was cool. Stop stealing shit. But, no, but, but, I'm, but I'm telling you, this is kind of cool what this now. franchise has been missing for yep. me. I need sequences like this to be like, that is clever as hell. Agreed. Because I... I think Mission Impossible has those moments in spades, and we got that moment early on in the movie. I'm like, hey, I'm already on board. Everything you showed me so far, I'm stoked about it. But this is some cool as hell shit because yeah. I thought they were going to be bombs. I thought it, I thought there were mines planning around that were going to explode or do some shit, but the whole technology behind it is some dope-ass stuff. I so honestly think th- this sequence of, like, this bad guy heist coming in and, and jacking everything – was one of the coolest I think I've ever seen. Like, with them rappelling down, with them getting this giant spike thing dropping in, and it, and then the way, it was so quick and action-packed and fucking amazing. Like, yeah. shout-outs to them. Like, they, they really made something really spectacular with this. Very cool. And, of course, I'm, I'm teasing, of course. I just that You have to have a line occasionally to explain what the hell's going on for, for the uninitiated. But the visuals of this, very, very cool. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they make off, and we catch up with Bong, who's wearing a very, very, very short shirt in this. What? Just, you just see his little belly line. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. Nick, you steal this from a child? Is, is this what a gray shirt? What the fuck this happened is, here? This is how cutoffs become a thing. It's slowly and over time. It's slowly over time. Yeah, it, it works upward. its way up. It works its way up. Don't fight it. I'm not going to fight it ever, Kevin. I'm wearing one right now underneath my uh, crew neck sweatshirt. I know. I know. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We just somehow blew right past one of the first scenes in the movie, really, uh, the first time we see Daniel Craig, and he is just, uh, when he's, like, looking over the water when she's in the water, and oh, he is right. wearing impossibly small little briefs. And I, I, I heard Nick made a guttural sound. Like, we're going <laughs> yeah. to gonna have to rank those abs, because, like, really, this all began with Daniel Craig and Casino Royale walking out of that water. Oh, yeah. Were they born, born in lives? Now it's time to rank those abs. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Rank Those Abs here for the James Bond universe. I actually think we did have a list of this, Tim, so if you want to vamp for a second, I can probably try to look it up. I, but I, I will say, say they didn't lament, they didn't linger on the abs a lot. In this one. And that's because he's old as shit. And but he, I feel look, like, he still looks great though. His his chest and his I mean, upper is he a fit old man? A hundred percent. But he's got old man skin. If you look at it, oh I, no way, I, Kevin, you're I, being I really, crazy right now, dude. I crazy. really feel like I really feel like the makeout scenes with Madeline in the like that happened right after this. Like they're running in the hotel. Like it looked weird because he's so old. That gray hair and he just uh, like. Tim, I'm gonna need you to have. I'm going to have, like, a really, like, tough talk with Kevin after this. Like, some yeah. sort of employee boss review. Like, this is crazy right now. I'm it's just simply unacceptable. He looked amazing. I, no. I think he looked amazing. I will agree with Kevin that I'm like, this might be the tip of – this might be the farthest out we can have Daniel Craig making out with someone who looks like she's his daughter and but then hanging out with his But here's the problem, grandkid. though. 
She just looks younger than she is. She is 36 in real life. How old is Daniel Craig? Okay, he's like 60, isn't he? I have no idea. No, he's not 60. But she looks like she's like 24. And you don't think he's as old as Tom Cruise? Daniel Craig is 53. 53. Uh, 53 is pretty much 60. No, no. You say 53 is the new You think when Nick turns 53, we're going to be making fun of him less than when he's 60? Like, it's the same thing. Once you're over 50, you know? Every year over 50, it's going to get exponentially uh-huh. worse. The tomato's too soft. The tomato's no, too soft at that true. point. Uh, I thought it looked phenomenal in this. Because it loses I, its I'm, firmness like an old person. Oh, you mean it prunes up and wrinkles? And yeah. You have to throw it out yeah. in the garbage? You yeah, touch it, you're like, oh, that doesn't feel firm. That's something's wrong with that tomato. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think he looked, he probably looked the best he's ever looked in Casino Royale because he was youngest. He looks great in Skyfall as well, though. He comes out of the pool, and he's just sitting there on the pool, and you see his back muscles, and you're like, Jesus Christ, dude. We've got an ageist here. I can't believe this. This what is wild. going on? You know the one thing I'm going to critique about this movie in terms of somebody's look? They don't give him the eye shot. They give it to the kid, and the kid deserves it because those fucking baby blues are fantastic. Right. Yeah. But Daniel Craig's eyes are piercing. piercing. And, I, 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 you know, when you're looking at the overall package, effects, Tim, I feel like real. this movie – but they didn't give it to him. They didn't give him that, like, moment with his eyes. Anyway, back to the plot. Uh, Bond is in Jamaica here, and for anyone who uh, is, is a fan of Bond or especially the books, um, this holds a little special place. I, don't, I can't remember – I think – We've been to Jamaica before. I can't remember one of the movies that took us there. But in the books, of course, Bond was based out of Jamaica, um, and he ran a he, his cover was the Universal Exports, which we saw a little bit in Quantum of Solace. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Ian Fleming, who wrote the Bond books, lived in Jamaica, and his and his estate Goldeneye was there. That's where he wrote all the books. Uh, so he had a special place in his heart for it. So that's what he wrote into this. So it's cool to see Bond sort of ending, uh, you know. Sort of metaphorically ending his 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 career where it began. Um, yeah, and of course, Jamaica is just a beautiful place to shoot. I thought that was really cool. What, didn't Ian Fleming? What was the area that he bought, uh, like the state, and was that also where 007's retirement home was? Uh, uh, I maybe I, I, Goldeneye looked the actual estate. Goldeneye looks different than that. Um, if, mm-hmm. you, if you Google it, I don't I don't think that was I don't think it was the same place, but, but it could have been. I. Uh, I Caught that you as well, and it, I thought was. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah, cool. I, for a while, I believe you could rent Ian Fleming's house. It's like yeah. small; it's not that huge, but oh, I always wow. wanted to go do that and just get hammered on March. On uh, that would be so Michael cool. Martini's. Let's do that. Let's go yeah, podcast. I'm all in. That'd be fucking rad. Uh, anyway, he's there, and he gets uh, he sees a cigar, and immediately realizes that his old buddy Felix Leiter is there. So he goes uh, over and meets him. Uh, I forget how he. Oh, he he picks up a tail, and he realizes that he's there. And I love that Tim's wearing shorts, by the way. Let's not call attention to the fact that Tim looks like he's part of a ska band. Um, there it is. But let's do call attention to the fact that Greg Miller finally announced uh, the news that Benjamin James Miller has arrived. Yay. DJ Miller, baby. Everybody go send Greg and James. DJ Blaskovitz. For their, uh, the arrival of their first Bambino, Benji. I'm going to call him Benji because I like that. Or Benji. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Come on, Benji and the Jets. Ben Kenobi Miller. Um... That's great. We're very happy for him. Uh, so we're in Jamaica. He he catches up with Felix Leiter. And to, to Kevin's earlier point, the Leiter character, like, in the other movies, you would, if you blink, you're like, oh, that's Felix Leiter? I didn't realize that. Jeffrey Wright has such, he does such a great job making this role three-dimensional and making this character a person that I'm like, I would, I would watch this series if it was a Felix Leiter series, right? Mm-hmm. He's fun. 
he's he comes off like he's like he's he can be serious, he can be intimidating, he can also be like kind of silly. And this scene where he's like, let's go someplace quiet, and they go to this bar to get hammered, and they're just they're buddies, man. Like they're Love they're it. you know, it, it's great. Uh, they have great chemistry, and and you know, you're gonna I'm gonna miss both these characters when they're gone. Uh, but anyway, they go to this, and as they walk into the bar, uh, who do we spot? We see the new 007 walk by him and sort of check him out for a hot second. Um, and she is, of course, on on uh, on patrol from MI6. Felix Leiter comes and says, listen, we've lost the scientist. This, this thing happened. I need your help getting him back uh, for old time's sake. And Bond's like, dude, I am retired. Sorry, no big deal. And then they brought this dude that comes in and smiles a lot. And I'm like, this guy's got to be a bad guy because if he's not, he's the worst casting ever. He's going to ruin this movie. I fucking love that actor. He was in uh, some fairy tale movie, and he plays this – oh, Aladdin. He was in Aladdin. What You're right. Yeah. You're right. He was the other other prince that was the trying to prince. marry Jasmine, like the uh, douchey one. Yeah, and yeah. he plays that character so well. And I feel like it felt out of place, but once we knew what was going on, like I enjoyed it, and I liked that the smile didn't go away once it was revealed that he was actually on Siphon's side. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, you're you're oh, uh, muted, Andy. I wish they didn't steal ideas from Fast and Furious because it just reminded me of Scott Eastwood, you know. Get these concepts out of here. Quit stealing ideas from the better espionage movie. Espionage. We're going to call Fast and Furious an espionage movie. That's a big word that Vin Diesel has. Of course, as he leaves, uh, he goes to his cool, like, Land Rover or whatever he he has there, and it won't start. And who should pull up right next to him? Uh, Nomi. Who's who's the new? Uh, that's her. That's her first name. She's the new Double Seven. She pulls up and asks him, "We want to ride on the scooter." And he's like, "Sure, why not?" You know, Bond is like, "Sure, you know." I'm a sexy guy in a sexy place. Let's see he what knew. This place he out. knew right away. He knew right he away. And as he as he walks through, of course, she uh, they, she goes, "Oh, is that the bedroom?" And he's like, "Huh." And he walks in, and she takes off. Uh, she's she's wearing, a, I think, a wig. A wig, yeah. Off, and she's like, "Hey, what's up?" And starts speaking with her amazing English accent, and it is great. And drops drops the 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 proverbial um, facade and says, "Listen, stay at, stay in your lane, Bond, because this project Hercules thing is." You're you're old. You're retired. Just don't do any of this shit. Stay out of my way, or I'll shoot you in the fucking knee. <laughs> I believe was the threat. Uh, yeah. And he's like, cool. And then of course he thinks about it for a second. And he calls Felix Leiter, and he's like, I'm in. And that is where we head over. Wait, to no, hold on, because we get the excitement from Felix on the phone, being like, yeah. And it's like, yeah. God, Felix, you're so good. He's great. I could not be more impressed with how they handled both Anna de Armas as a new take on a Bond girl and uh, this new 007. Like, I, we knew it from the trailers that we were going to get this and there was going to be the, the, the expected rivalry between James Bond and her and, like, what does this mean? She has the new car. She has the new tech, all that stuff. And I really love like, – we just watched Cars 3 for in review a month or two ago and, like – it's a similar type of dynamic, right, of, like, having to get used to it, like, what relationship are they going to have? I thought that they really did something that I haven't seen before with this, of showing the respect between that they each have for each other and playing it where it felt realistic. It felt not like some type of contrived, like, forced mentorship type thing or, right. you know, her being this hot shot that is, like, eventually, like, fucks something up and she's like, oh, well, I guess you're actually better than me. By the end of it, it's like they're both, they both just respect each other and they're both just yeah. dope, which is great. And I want to I want to do I want to point out sort of something that I think was a, a make good 
from uh, Quantum of Solace, right, where we had Gemma Arterton's character kind of come in and be a very disposable Bond girl, so much so to the point that she kind of comes in, does one thing, and then gets killed and covered in oil, which at the time was an homage to Goldfinger, who, who, who had killed someone as a message to Bond covering her in gold. But in this one, a lot of people had that criticism, like, oh, wow, that character was just heavily underutilized. And so in this one, I love that he cuts over to Cuba, and we get the same vibe, right? So when he picks up, I forget uh, Gemma Arterton's character, and I think it was like Strawberry something. Uh, Strawberry Fields, maybe, might, might have been her name. Again, another generic thing. We get that yeah, vibe. Yeah, it was. Right? We, we talked about, I was, as I was scrolling through our old video, I mentioned uh, her, so you nailed it, Nick. Great job. Um, of course, you know, we get that same vibe. Someone who's inexperienced, someone who's this. He asks her, oh, this is your first job. She's like, yeah, I've only had three weeks of training. Uh, we get a moment where she sort of he he's sort of confused as to whether or not she's trying to address him, and she goes, no, no, I just want you to wear this amazing tuxedo. And then, of course, they walk right across the street. And I love the look of Cuba in this movie and the streets and, like, the rawness of it. And then these two beautiful human beings walking across in, like, thousands of dollars worth of evening wear uh, right across the street over there. Of course, she feigns nervousness, and he goes, hey, we'll get a drink. Drinks the iconic. Very subtle. third. With a little twist of lemon, which which he which was a Bond thing that or Daniel Craig's thing that they added to this, uh, and then she downs it of course real quick. You're like, oh, she's not doing very well. But then of course as the scene progresses, we get the earpieces, we get the whole thing where uh, they go up and they find, uh, or we see uh, uh, the scientist Dobrov. What is his name? Have uh, we named Dobrov. once Dobrov. what the actual disease is? Uh, Project Hercules is what it was called. Hercules. Heracles. 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 Yeah. Heracles. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Heracles. I read that wrong. Weird. Anyway, uh, this Box is a great scene. They put the things in. We're hearing them talking. But then, of course, she's like, I'm going to patch you in with other things. And we can hear We start hearing the specter as people talk. And then we hear Blofeld talking. And then we see someone walking around with an eye on a pillow. And I'm like, so that's fucking, fucking cool. cool. Right? Of course, uh, her name is uh, Agent Paloma, by the way, which is one of my favorite drinks. I love that. Um <laughs> Walking, I just made me think. Like every time you said, "Oh yeah, Paloma, you like Palomas," like, yeah, I all the leader after this. Very, very good. Uh, and then we kick it off, right? The action sequence kicks off, and it. Or action, sorry, before that, we get one of another great sequence where he's hearing him talk, and he's like, "Holy shit, that's Blowfield!" And then all of a sudden, the attention turns toward Bond. The spotlight hits him, and he realizes, "Holy shit, this whole thing was a setup for me." But Oberchef has designed this drug not to kill James Bond like it was supposed to. He has designed it to kill, uh, per Seferin's orders, every member of Spectre. And it seems like gathering all of them in one party just as a, as a general hang for Blofeld's birthday, not a great idea. Maybe not the best organizational tactics. If you remember in Quantum, they only got together very rarely to discuss very important matters. And when they did, they were all scattered about in, in hiding in plain sight at the opera with the earpiece there, um, and then as soon as, the second anyone recognized they were there, they all just scattered and went away, except Mr. White, who's smart enough to realize, maybe this isn't who I am. I'm going to sit in this crowd for a little bit. Shout out to Mr. White. Cool villain. Uh, anyway, shit goes down, and Paloma, it turns out maybe has had more than a few weeks of training, because she drop kicks a motherfucker, and then picks oh up God, the dopest so cool. MP7 and a handgun, and just starts handling shit. And I love how this scene progressed because, of course, 007 comes and she tries to get overtrive and we're playing kind of like hot potato with the scientist. Uh, she's awesome. She's wrecking shit from the outside. Bond takes a moment, pours himself a Jack Daniels and slides one over to Paloma. They cheers. 
you know, uh, take so a shot badass. and then head right back into the action where she's like, we're going to need a car. She finds one. She uses it to smash into the uh, the, the scaffolding that's been put outside and Oberchef falls into her lap, uh, much to the chagrin of, uh, of 007 who has lost him uh, lost him to Bond. Uh, and they tear off. But before they do, of course, uh, a nice little touch. Paloma looks over and sees a Cuban cigar sitting on the seat next to her and takes it and gives it to Bond for Felix. And that's cool. So, and then she goes, I'll see you next time. And that is it. So fucking cool. So fucking cool. I want to pause right now because I just like, it's as we're doing this plot recap that I'm really realizing I fucking love this movie. This, Mm -hmm. every single scene we've talked about so far is incredible. There's, there's like probably this, this whole Paloma fight with eyeball, all that stuff. Before that, the uh, kind of invasion into the skyscraper, all that. Before that, the horror intro that goes on forever with the super dope Bond intro. Hell yeah. No time to die. You fucking did it. Please continue, Nick. And I, uh, I just I also want to point out that I love how this movie can take itself not seriously and not feel lame. Easy, yeah. Uh, yeah. Taking the drinks and shit. It's easy to roll your eyes at moments like that when a movie is kind of grounded and in a serious way, right? The tone of this is, is pretty serious. But I love that moment of taking the drinks. And, and I think that sort of continues on throughout the rest of the movie. There are several other moments where a stupid line is said. But it's it's good and it's funny and you laugh and you go like this is a great little this is a great little moment of of, of levity in this really intense uh, shooty shootout or whatever yeah this this I mean, movie's great man I I love it for the look that he gives after he takes the drink which is that it, he needed it because remember he hasn't done anything like this in five years and it's been he's a little worse for the wear right and all these new kids are running around just fucking running like lapping his ass and so also, he has a moment where he takes it and slams it down like. All right, get back out there. Like, like he it's also, the third round. He also just witnessed all these people's fucking face melt. Melt off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's new, dude. Yeah. He's seen people bleeding from the eyes and shit. He doesn't care about that anymore. Uh, we cut back over to uh, him. He, by the way, he's, I love the test that he steals 007's plane uh, and takes him over to a barge where Felix Leiter and Logan Ash are waiting. Of course, this is where we realize that Logan Ash was, in fact, working for Safin the entire time. He betrays them, shoots Felix Leiter, and then sinks the boat and they have a gut-wrenching scene where Bond tries to save Felix, and Felix just says, let me go. Um, go save yourself, and dies in his arms one more time. Uh, and Bond uh, has to wait for the whole thing to start sinking. I thought he was going to swim out the back, but he ends up just open, somehow opening the door of the, the thing that didn't, wouldn't open before. Little pet peeve of mine. I'm like, we saw him lock that door. You're dead. doesn't matter. He, he manages to escape um, and then gets saved by a big barge. That was a different door, because that was, was a door that was on the level that he was on, okay. and the door that he got went down was downstairs. Copy that. Right? Uh, but, okay. man, this scene really got me. Like, again, moments earlier, I was like, I fucking love Felix. Mm-hmm. And then he gets shot, and then it's very quickly like, oh, he's not making it out of here. And, mm-hmm. like, Bond, like, you see Bond, you know, not kind of wrestling with up. that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like, Don't, no, we're going to figure it out. And Felix is the one that has to be like, you know, what does he say? Like, it, it's been a good life, hasn't it, or something? Yeah. And it's just like, good wow, yeah, you really guys good. fucking got me. Jesus. Yeah. yeah that's, it's good that, stuff. That, there. Hurt, that hurt, too. And the end of an era, ceilings. Uh, we did miss a moment here that I want to call back. I think we missed a couple scenes here between M and maybe Money Penny. Um, I'm struggling to remember what they were, but I do remember a moment that I think I glossed over where uh, Ray finds his character and says, get me Bond. 
Yeah. But he's not referring to Daniel Craig. He's not yeah. Or give me 007 is what he says. Excuse me, not Bond. Give me yes, 007. 007 he's yeah. not referring to Bond. And that's when uh, – and then, we, of course, we, we catch up with, with, uh, I, with the new 007. I don't think we'll – like, I'll rem- remember this later. So I just – this is – there's there's a moment where he's on the phone with her. Actually, it might be here where he's like – she's like permission to um, – that's kill later. or capture when she, goes to get, to go, when she goes to find Logan Ash, she goes capture or kill order, and he's like, "Thank you for asking." Yeah, and she's it's like, just such a like never made me that courtesy or whatever. It yeah, was. that's I, I thought that was so cool. That was yeah, cool. that was cool. And, and I love that too, right? She's by the book, and of course Bond wasn't by the book, and, and you get that fun relationship where they learn from each other in this, which is good. Uh, we cut back over, and Bond uh, just walks right in. I think. I think he walks in MI6 either that or he goes to Money Penny first. I can't remember. At one point we get we get him coming into MI6 and he walks up to the teller and he's like name and he goes I think he says Bond, and the guy's like hmm, and he goes James Bond. Yeah. And the guy goes oh right, and then he gives him his visitor pass to MI6. <laughs> he was once well known and now everyone's just forgotten him. Uh, of course he heads up and he's got a banger of a scene with Ray Fiennes here. Of course he says hi to Money Penny, which is uh, which is huge. And then it has a great scene where he's like, did this desk get smaller? Or maybe you got smaller. And then they give it's each other shit. He's like, stay the fuck out of my way, man. Stay out of the way. You can't, like, you got to be doing this stuff. You got to help us out. And Bond's like, no, I'm not going to help you. I'll do my own thing. And then as he's leaving the room, he goes, it definitely wasn't the desk that got smaller. And I'm like, but that got bigger. What's that? Oh, did the desk uh, get bigger? That's what it was. I'm sorry. Did yeah. this desk, has that, he's like, has this desk always been this size? Or basically, in a friggin like, or did you just get smaller? Yeah. I mean, then he's like, it wasn't the desk. You got smaller, motherfucker. So great, though, when they <laughs> – I mean, it's later on. We'll talk about it later. I just love when they reconvene, and then Q is like, Bond, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, from here, I believe we go over to um, – <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we go over to we'll just go over to Q's house from here, and Q has set himself up for a little date, and he's like, "It's never a nine to five job, is it?" I'm like, "Hey, man, welcome to the wonderful world of online content creation, mm-hmm. where sometimes <laughs> there's a DC fandom thing happening on a Saturday, and you're like, are we doing he, that? I don't know." He wasn't on a date with Money Penny, right? No, he was waiting for. I think the inference that he was waiting for a gentleman to come over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh. which I thought was nice. Which was hinted uh, out in the other movies, but like yeah, kind of hinted in the other drove movies. Drove it home. when he was yeah. like, he said something about you know he's he's going to be here any second, and I was like, uh, I, I, re- I relate to past apartment that he lives in. By oh, yeah, I loved it. I relate and to you a lot in the ways of the hair, where it's like you're going to get to a certain point, Andy, where you got to get an adult haircut. Mm-hmm. And Hugh, <laughs> yes, Hugh not Hugh has looked. Q in the earlier movies, very, very young looking and had the hair to match it. But now he's aging. He looks he looks more distinguished. He looks, you know, upper 30s, lower 40s. But the hair is still kind of, kind of, you know, he's, he's got the cuteness to it or whatever. Maybe just, you know, get a little fade or something. It's still like kind of Harry Potter looking is what I'm saying. That's so totally let's figure something out there, Q. Let's figure Nick, something out. What's the deal with this cat? Is this a reference? Because, like, this is one of those watching Scream versus watching scary movie things where it's, like, Austin Powers and this. Like, because no, Dr. Evil I, has the cat. Is that is that cat in any... Blow, Blow, Blow also had, had a cat. cat. Yeah, was a it was white. white. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a hairless cat. So maybe it was a little nod to Dr. Evil from Austin yeah. Powers. Like, didn't he have a hairless cat in that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mr. Wigglesworth. Yeah. Mr. Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth, yeah. <laughs> So stupid. Uh, if that is if that is a nod to that, put this at number one. 
<laughs> right? Like, if they had the balls to put fucking, a fucking Austin Powers homage in this movie, that is, like, that is some, that is some crazy meta shit that I would not even thought about. In, in the first Austin Powers movie, the cat was white. It was the, like, cryogenic freezing process that made it hairless. hairless. Right? Yeah. Or wait, the first movie, there is a jump in time, too. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, exciting. that was the first movie. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. it was very much Blofeld's cat. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, you know what? We're gonna start that rumor right now. But not, yep. that, that is a hidden Easter egg for Austin Powers. Andy, get on TikTok. Did get you know TikTok. that the cat and <laughs> so funny? Anyway, uh, they take the bionic eye, which is hilarious. They were the Cyclopses, and they give it to him to to do some work on. And then, of course, he gives him the uh, little what you call it, doohickey. Uh, USB thing that uh, he took from Oprah Chav's butt that he swallowed right. that he must have pooped out, uh, gave it to him, and that, of course, filled in all the, the extra data that Oprah Chav had uh, erased. Yeah, they, What's up? They, like, didn't they smack him in the face while he was trying to eat it when they were trying to, like, abduct him, and he still Yeah, but remember, he already ate it once. Yeah, it was already in the butt at one point. He keeps putting this thing up, his, like, in his mouth and down his butt. It, his it was in the butt. digestive system at one point. I'd be I, worried about I it. Think, I how are those... How are we making contact here with these USB drives? Are they that sort of infallible that it can go through your digest? Maybe he well, vomited I, it. I don't know. My question is why. If you, if you think that you're going to have to keep swallowing something, switch it over to one of those ones that's like this big, right, Kev? You know, they have the USB drives that are just tiny little caps. You don't right need here, one that's like right a full thumb drive. Hey, wrap it in, wrap yeah. it in saran wrap. Kevin, know? swallow that right now and tell me how long it takes to get through your system. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, anyway, they divine from here, hey, this is this is the MacGuffin, Project Heracles. 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 Project. I'm just going to call it Hercules. I can't say the other word. Uh, is is a, is nanobots, and this missing data fills in all the DNA. And now he's got thousands and thousands and thousands of people's DNA, and this is the thing that can just pass between people and kill the one on contact, and you can never get rid of it. And in my opinion, it's kind of a terrible MacGuffin, but it's scary nonetheless. So he's like, we got to find Oberchef. Uh, and I can find him because uh, the guy that shot Felix and betrayed me is Logan Ash. Um, and so that's we got to find that guy first. Uh, the only way we can find him is we got to go to Blofeld. And the only person who's allowed to see Blofeld, though, or I guess he doesn't know about Logan. He doesn't really talk. He tells 007 about Logan Ash to go after her to find him. Meanwhile, he's like, I'm going to go talk to Blofeld. The only person that can get in close to him, which is ridiculous, is Madeline, his therapist. And you're like, I don't understand how this relationship works out because no one in their right mind would let this person who's been through all this shit with him anywhere close to him. But she's allowed to do it. Uh, before that happens, though, we get a little uh, visit from her, but Wait. from Saffron, who reveals that he is Saffin. Sorry, really quick. What was the relationship that they had together, Madeline they, and Blofeld? Uh, he was, I his, remember. Her dad was partners with Blofeld. Her dad, Blofeld ran for white. And Mr. White was like the chief agent perspective, but they had double crossed him to try but and take it down. Had they had they interacted? Yeah, Inspector. They went up against each other, so they knew each other. Yeah, she oh, helped yeah. James Bond like beat him, Inspector, and blew him up, and then blew half his face off. So it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't oh. think this is it. Yeah, uh, I don't think this is a healthy relationship that we should be nurturing. But you know what? For the sake of the plot, here's here we go. Saffin comes in and, and shows her the mask, and is like, I'm the guy that saved you. Shout out to me. Uh, also, your life is mine now. Spray yourself down with some of this Chanel number no. five and go touch Blowfield and kill him for me, or I'll kill James Bond. I was pretty confused, as Kevin was, because I, it seemed like, hey, um, 
Madeline, you have a client here. He's kind of weird. Oh, don't say that. And it seemed like, have they ever talked to each other before? No. Safin and him had not talked to each other. Safin and her. Her, excuse me. Yeah, okay. She okay. and Safin had not. Got he it. had left her alone and was just sort of silently stalking her for her entire life. Got it. And then finally now was like, you're going to do this for me, basically, because I saved your life. Yeah. Now, if not, I'll kill James Bond. Uh, so she does, and, and we get a, a meeting of the minds there. They go to the prison, which is a creepy, very claustrophobic prison for me. Kevin, for kind of funny. Uh, do we know anything about her life in between being saved and the last movie? They went like, into her backstory a little bit because her dad was alive still. So don't forget, like, Mr. White was, like, not so there. She he didn't get killed. And so she, he – what's up? She was raised by Spectre. I or don't like, think I mean, so. When we, catch up, when we catch up to her inspector, she's like, I'm trying to distance myself from my dad. He's a bad guy. I'm not a Spectre agent. She was a therapist in the movie. Aspen, yeah, right? she was in Aspen, which, again, was a callback to um, a callback to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which happens in Aspen, I believe. I think it's, or it's a snowy area where he goes to a clinic that looks exactly like the clinic she starts off at. So a lot of homages. Yeah, I'm reading. Really At some cool. point, she estranged herself from her father and quit all contact. She received her medical training from Oxford University and the Sorbonne, Sorbonne? I don't know how to pronounce mm-hmm. that. She later became a consultant in psychiatry and as someone who, and as such, worked two years with Medicine Sans Frontiers. Uh, Dr. Uh, Borders. Yeah, yeah, but I was thinking of the the, the yeah, middle yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, let's see, where do we leave off here? Oh, so they go to the prison, and of course you can't do it. The great scene here where he's like, "Bond, don't lose it," and he's like, "I, I never miss," and then turns the corner and sees her and immediately freezes. Um, Tough one. I never freeze. Sorry, not I never miss. God, I'm terrible <laughs> today. I never freeze, and he freezes. Uh, they see each other, and of course, uh, they're they're it's very cold. Uh, and then when she goes into the room, she, she realizes she can't kill him, but she's already touched Bond, and that now the the assassination drug has, has uh, or the nanobots have passed to Bond, and then Bond has this great uh, meeting with Blofeld, um, and they just kind of he like kind of lays it down. And he's like, Matilda has all the answers, bro. It's all her. Everything's her. And then Bond's like, you're pissing me off, so I'm gonna strangle you to death. But then stops himself, and Tanner, poor Tanner, is like, dude, you just lost. All leverage you possibly had on him, and also his face is bleeding. And they look over, and he's like, "Oh shit! I thought that was a metaphor, but no, his face is bleeding. He's dead." Uh, Blofeld kind of goes out unceremoniously, which I don't know if I have. I, have. I feel like I expected uh, James to like feel a lot more because he had a relationship with Blofeld. Yeah, they were brothers, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just then, then he thought he was dead. I thought there was going to be a much bigger sort of twist with how Madeline left that area and was like, you shouldn't be here, you know, be careful. And I thought, like, I thought it was going to be one of those Winter Soldier type moments well, I mean, uh, that, when he gets broken out. or like, I just thought it was going to have a much bigger impact, and I guess killing Oberfeld is a, or what's Blofeld. 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 Killing, killing Blofeld is a pretty big moment, but I, I thought there was going to be a much bigger sort of, like, oh, everybody, we're all compromised, like, one of those Mission Impossible type moments. I appreciate the simplicity of it because I, especially this being the kind of wrap up of this franchise. Like I like that. Cool. They, they kill Felix, they kill Blofeld, they kill Spectre. It's like, they really kind of buttoned up a lot of things. And I think that if they added like kind of plot twists on plot twists on plot twists at some point, it would be what I don't like about some of the previous movies of being too convoluted. This is a little simple and him just kind of dying the way he did kind of just felt fast. But I think overall, I appreciate it contextually within the rest of the film. 
Um, do, 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 do. I thought so, it was kind of. Oh, I, yeah. I, I thought it was kind of silly that like, uh, what the? Is it MI6? It was just like, oh, we don't know where she went, and like James was like, I know where she went. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it, they couldn't figure out where her like family home was. Yeah, they're like this home she's owned and probably filed taxes at for <laughs> the better part of. How old was she, Tim? 26. 36. Uh, Anyway, oh, by the way, at this point, uh, Blofeld tells him that Vesper, the whole bomb thing, he's like, that was me. I was just fucking with you, trying to get you to not, to to, like distrust Madeline. Uh, And then Bond, that's what causes Bond. Super obvious. Yeah, I know. Everyone should have known that. Bond's not stupid. Anyway, uh, Bond from there heads over and he tracks uh, Madeline down to her childhood home in Norway. Uh, And then when he pops in, he learns she's got a little bambino. A little bambino named Matilda. That's not what that means. Bambina. A little, there you go. A little Bambina named Matilda. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Tim, you want to you say Nick names are confusing? I agree. Because Madeline and Matilda are very close to each other, and I kept getting confused every single mm-hmm. time. I was like, what is her name? Isn't, Ma- isn't Matilda short for Madeline or Maddie? I don't know. Don't. Name your kid something distinctive, for Christ's sake, if mm-hmm. you want me to remember mm-hmm. it. For God's sakes. Great eyes, though. And, of course, this is a great scene where he's like, he immediately knows it's his kid. And she's like, it's not your kid. And he goes, what about the blue eyes? She's like, well, you, fuck you. Other people have blue eyes. Meanwhile, uh, my wife's sitting next to me. We're like, that's his fucking kid. That kid's got the most pure I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, yeah, I was true. sitting there trying to do the mental math. And I was like, all right. That kid would have to be around, like, four, four years. Yeah. Does it look four years? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea like? how to gauge children's age. It's just, it's all a mystery unless they're like 10. I mean, here's my problem, Kevin. I grew up in the 80s and 90s when high school kids were all played by 35-year-olds. So every time I'd go out in public and <laughs> someone who was working a, a normal job, I'd be like, are you my contemporary? Am I supposed to look like you? <laughs> Very weird. Anyway, uh, this is a great scene. Uh, they sleep together, and the next morning, uh, the kid wakes him up. She's like, I'm hungry. And so he cooks his daughter breakfast, which is very, very cute. Uh, and Madeline's watching. And, she, and it's a great scene. A lot of subtext in this where she's kind of watching, and she's like, I don't really know how to deal with this scene because it's endearing and amazing, but also, like, there's no way this is going to work out. Uh, Bond calls um, uh, into M, and he's like, how's it going with Logan Ash? 007's on the trail. That's where we get that great scene where she has permission to capture or kill him. Uh, when uh, Q hacks into the bionic eye and uh, and finds Logan Ash in an area, uh, so they track his bio, or they they track the uh, the eye and where it's at. And Bond says, "Hey, can you give me an update on where uh, Logan Ash is?" And he's like, "Oh, I'll send it to your phone right now." And it turns out Logan Ash is like a mile away from him. And he goes, cool. "No, no, no, I wanted you. I wanted Ash's location, not mine." And then he realizes, "Oh shit, they're coming oh, for me." Shit. Yeah, this was yeah. one of those moments that I think the whole theater kind of had that gasp of like, oh, my God, oh, shit, he's on the way. Why am I so scared of this white dude? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, 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 it feels Rami Malik maybe or, or whatever, but obviously this dude is, like, twisted and, and he's he's coming for him. So I knew that, like, this is going to kick in into a really neat sequence and I can't wait to see what happens because it's going to – you got the kid – also, that's, how, that's why we're scared. Like, yeah. that's the thing is, like, the audience had that feeling because they immediately set up the stakes perfectly of, wow, we, we believe this story. We believe James loves this woman. And now there's this child involved. So it's like the stakes are raised. So even this, like, lame-ass white bad guy, the skinny dude's going to come. It's like that guy can easily kill this child. So there, there is that fear there. Yeah. Um, I, I do think you know, there was a moment where uh, she's like, oh, I got a mosquito bite. 
I thought and then later, was gonna die. She's like, "Do mosquitoes have friends?" And I was like, uh, "Is she Blowfield's kid?" Like, <laughs> you know. And now she's got a little bit of this. Fuck. That's yeah, what I thought too. I, thought I got it was scared. Like, I didn't like I it. I thought the kid was gonna bleed out of the eyes. I was like, "Damn, that's gonna get real dark or real mm-hmm. fast." Mm-hmm. Anyway, this kicks off a, another car chase sequence, which I didn't love this as much because it's mostly just Bond making these uh, SUVs go off of ramps and shit and fall over the place. But I did like it when they get out and he starts taking people on in the fog, uh, not the least of which he clotheslines someone with a fucking cable uh, and then uh, asks, you know, gives Madeline a gun and says, stay here shooting anyone that comes to the door is not me. Uh, and then he pretty much handles everyone, including Logan Ash, uh, who he shoots and then drops a car on. Yeah, he does. And it was fucking cool. And yeah, but, like, cool. maybe leave people alive so that you can interrogate them and find out more information. Might have been a good idea. Might have been a good idea. Yeah, I, I no feel problem. like he's supposed to no learn that lesson in, like, maybe the third movie. First movie. Very first movie. I loved I loved him baiting, into, baiting them into all these situations. Like, I loved the shooting in the air, drawing them towards an area, motorcycle hitting the cable car. All that was really damn cool. Sorry, I'm scarfing down a carrot right now. That's good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Kevin, if you'll remember, sorry, just to pick that point, I remember uh, Dame Judi Dench, his character was like, he was like, well, I thought I thought killing one less, remember he said, like, I thought killing one less bomb maker was a good thing, and he, she's like, he didn't leave him alive. she's like, who cares about a bomb maker, I want I want access to his network, of course, Bond just never learns his lesson, man, never learns his lesson, yeah. drops a car on the yeah. guy, I like to think it's because the guy's younger and better looking than him, and one day I'm like, just drop a car on oh, You think he's better looking than him, huh? At this point, yeah, and the guy's taller, better hair, what are you going to do? Daniel Craig's sexier, for sure. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, he's a weird. He starts walking down the road, and who should pull up? And a dope-ass Aston Martin uh, 007, new 007, picks him up and asks him if he wants a ride again. And it's uh, In the great, accent. In the accent, in the Jamaican great. accent. Yeah, that was great. That was really the, good. One. Uh, she just rips onto a tarmac. Uh, and then drives right into the back of a plane where Q is there to meet them, uh, and they have tracked somehow someone over to this island uh, where they figured Saffron is, Saffron is um, Saffron, excuse me, it's Poison Island. That's where his family's from, and they make poison there, and this is where the whole thing is. And at this point, I'd have been like, why don't we just... I love, I love it. The... I mean, because it's, it's a return to ridiculous <laughs> villains that are it's just... Absurd. Yeah, absurd villains. Like, uh, you know, what the... Die another day, or the one where it's like, oh, he's uh, from North Korea and he's making a giant Die like, day. yeah, it's just, I love it. It's so absurd. It's just like, all right, cool. The family of poison people. It's one of those things though where you're like, you're a hired thug, right? Some of these people, you maybe they've been coerced mm-hmm. to working there, right? The no. scientists, you figure. But then there's some people that are just there working. How long can you work in that environment before you're like, I gotta look for another job? I yeah, this is there's no vending machine. <laughs> this here. isn't right for me. Snack. There's no Starbucks on this island. Oh, Nick, I guarantee you their vending machines are great. Do you not remember the episode of what is The Simpsons when they go to work for Nick Scorpio? Is that right? Scor- yeah, Scorpio. Scorpio. And yeah. like everything was paradise for them. Because, like, they're making them sign up for these awful things, so might as well entice them in every way that you can. Benefits have to be great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have, like, a bunch of, uh, like, pinball machines in the break area. Yeah. So many pinball machines in the break area. Ping pong. Um, as Ping they're pong. prepping their mission, uh, we we get the scene with Saf, with Remy Malik and, uh, and uh, Madeline and Till, where he tours them around uh, Poison Island, and then uh, takes really weird, young, awkward. Yeah, it's very strange. Takes the, and then he takes the, he kidnaps uh, uh, her daughter 
and separates them and sends her off to be killed by Cyclops. And apparently, this is where it kind of gives a little murky. I'm like, what, what are you doing yeah. here? What's, What's the, plan? the plan here? Yep. What is the plan? You're going to raise this, this kid? This whole thing was weird of like, Finish. all right, he's been weirdly in love with Madeline his whole life, right. which a bunch of weird things on why he saved her and all that, fine. Fucking weird. And then he wants the kid? Because he wanted to have a kid. I don't know. That All when, of that was weird and seemed really forced. Especially when you let the kid just run away at yeah, the end of it. Yeah, that was weird. Yep. It, it, yep. it really was just sort of like a means to an end. we got to get the kid back with the family, but how right. do we do it? I just didn't love the way much of this was framed. This is like uh, you mentioned the, probably the weaker part of the movie for you, Nick. Um I enjoy much of the action around these the, this part, but I just really mm-hmm. don't like anything that's having happening with Saverin. Saffin? Saffin. Uh, I think a lot of it could have been. I think a lot of this could have been condensed too. We spent a lot of time in this area. We go back and forth in the in the anyway. Uh, we do get a dope sequence now where Bond and 007 uh, have to use a gravity plane. I think is what they called it, um, which I think was the glider of some sort. But it had a cool gravity engine on the back of it that looked. Some some sort of engine that was cool. Uh, we get that great sequence where he's like, "Have you ever have you ever flown one of these before?" And she's like, "Nope." And then they just drop out of it, and it's really cool visuals. Of course, I, it's all over the trailers. I needed more. I needed more out of this ship. I needed to see what, what else they could do. It was a boat, they, also, Andy. Dude, that was so, <laughs> it was a submarine. And as yeah. they go in, what do they say? They're like, "We're gonna go to this pre World War II sub pen," and it's yeah. like, "What a cool sentence!" Dope. But like yeah. I. It's. I feel like the setup of the technology and like this jet was, it was setting up for like more is going to happen here, and then they kind of land and they go underwater and they're they're out of it. It's like, oh man, I need to see more of this shit. Like I need yeah. to. MGS just one intro. Huh? Did you get more MGS vibes from this? When the submarine oh, yeah. pulls up and they get out of it, oh my god, these motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> they love Kojima. Absolutely. Uh, of course, they get out and uh, he's got his cool watch uh, and she's got her cool uh, Alexa nest egg thing, and, uh, which, which sonar, she puts it down. Um, and we start a cool sequence here where they're sneaking around, killing people, doing all sorts of cool shit, double tapping people. Uh, she's cool, he's cool, and they finally catch up with Oberchef, uh, who is. Uh, and he's like, you can't kill me. I'm invisible or whatever. And then they're like, what's going on? We're going to blow this place up. And he, and she's like, we got to blow up this whole thing because that's a farm for the the, the, the the nanobites, I assume. That's a nanobite farm. Is that what that was? Uh, and they apparently are born in acid. Nanomachines. Nanobites. I don't, yeah, nano, nanotech. It was weird if they're born in acid or if they're just like uncontrolled there. So if you fall in, it kind of just starts breaking you down. I, that was I all – very it's like, weird. hey, this is an evil layer. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. it was spooky, right? Uh, looked dope as shit. It looked dope as hell. Oh my god! <laughs> there is backstory here, though. Ray Tracy. This is Safin's dad's old place where, when he worked for Spectre, he was the poison guy, and he was the one that worked on all the poison drugs and shit like that. So this was his old, his old layer, which was cool. And I like that it had been sort of corrupted and co-opted by his son to be like a Zen garden now. But of course, they're above missile silos. Seems kind of funny. A uh, question for you, Nick, as the James Bond guy. I know a lot of rumors going into this were that Safin was going to be Dr. No. I don't know shit about Dr. No. Is this kind of implying that his dad was Dr. No? Ooh. No, I mean, that wouldn't that wouldn't work out in the in the revenge scheme because Dr. No was killed by Bond. But Dr. No did have an island, and I can't, I can't remember what his MacGuffin was, though. I'd have to look that up. Because I've only seen Doctor No like once or twice. It was not. It's the very first Bond film, and it's very, very 
uh, very, very rough around the edges if you don't like 1962 filmmaking. But <laughs> I don't know. Cool. Yeah, I can't answer that. I'm sorry. But uh, cool. Cool poll if it is. Um, uh, of course, uh, they're like, well, we're gonna have, we have to blow this whole place up. And she's like, we don't have enough explosives for that. And he's like, they don't know that. It doesn't really threaten it ever. But then he's like, I got to go. He's like, you hold this down. I'm going to go up and find uh, uh, Madeline and Maddie and Matilda. And uh, we're going to figure this out. Goes up, of course, and who does he find? Oh, we get a scene where Cyclops gets, gets blinded and, and Maddie gets or Matilda, Madeline gets away. Um, and then he goes up into the nest and he's like, I'm just sitting here cross-legged, hanging out with, with your kid. And we and this is kind of the first time that we're kind of confirmed that it's his kid. We know it, but he's like, it's your daughter. And Bond's like, I know. And then Bond's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, but he's not really sorry because he's got a Walford PPK in his belt and he takes it out and he blows everyone away. But then Saffin drops through a little compartment like a fucking like. I mean, again, I'm not like going to say the, super villain. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say the parallels between him and 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 uh, Doctor Evil are there, but there's a lot of them. Like people dropping through passages and stuff. So early Bond, so cool. Um, and then Bond uh, go, runs back. They get into it. 007 uh, kills everyone. She kills Obervich, uh Sees someone drop into the acid. And we're like, okay, that stuff's super dangerous. Stay out of that. Um, and then he's like, dude, we got to blow this place up. Great scene. She gets out with uh, Lee Sudo's character uh, Lee, uh, and the kid. They reunite. The kid was high. Oh, that, yeah, we get the random scene where he's like, she bites him. And he's like, fine, you don't want my protection? See you later, alligator. And it's like, why would you let her go? That's like leverage. That's like the one thing Bond cares about. Why would you let her go? I'm also not clear as to where they were going. Like, were they leaving the island? They talk about how there's boats. There's two boats coming for them. But I don't know who those boats are. Were they good people? Were they bad people? Were they the Japanese or the Russians? Like, this is a highly contested area. But I'm not I'm, – I'm hazy as to what's going on here. So for a film that did, like, 90% great explaining what the hell is going on in a very simple way, this whole shit's murky. Like, yeah, they're yeah. leaving. They're like, it looks like they're leaving. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, we're under attack. But yet he doesn't leave. Why would you I, stay? Well, I think that his plan was to leave and possibly take all the weaponized stuff that they had ready to go because – the, you, you get the idea that the two boats that are coming are his boats yeah. to start the transfer of moving these right. around. So why not just uh, and, get, get the heck out of there? But uh, eventually, Bond opens up the big doors. Sure. but it, it, So here's my thing. But at this point, though, like, Bond is there. So if you're a supervillain, you can infer that the entire English government and Secret Service knows this island exists. You can't move an island overnight, Right. So your only choice is to get the hell out of there with whatever products you have off-island and start over again. So get out of there. Like, the second I saw Bond, I'd be like, oh, if Bond's here, MI6 knows about me. And they can yeah. use this island if they have to. I didn't right? expect so him I to stick around. Yeah, I don't know why he would stick around other than maybe he just knows, knows he was beat. No, but I think that, like, there was, like, an end date. Like, they were just trying to get to a certain point and then have enough of this drug to... Earn. Yeah, but why bother? I mean, it just didn't work for me. He's like, I gotta close these blast doors. I'm like, why? What is stopping them from Because it would destroy the all of the... the yeah, but, the, but like, logic, logic. My six is on the way anyway. They're <laughs> on the way. Yeah, like, no, the Japanese, yeah. if you call Japan and Russia and say, there's this fucking massive thing here, they're gonna yeah, launch ships and they're gonna be sense, on... Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's not like the English government and the Japanese government don't talk. Maybe uh, Russia might be a little bit more difficult, but at some point... 
more boats are showing up within the hour, right? It's hard yeah, to get I mean, out of there. Always wants to sort of excuse these things. They're like, yeah, this could have just been a writing thing with COVID. Who knows? <laughs> like, no, I mean, like, no, no, hey, <laughs> no, actually, uh, an interesting thing there, it's not necessarily because of COVID, but just with how this movie was made. And because of COVID, it gave them a little bit more the wiggle room. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, that the, the film was actually, like, the script was not done until way late in the editing process. They shot a bunch of stuff, and the director kind of had a couple multiple visions of where the movie could go and put it together in editing, where it was like they, they kind of found the story. Uh, but they had a lot of plans and the skeletons all there, but there's certain things that this kind of would make sense with that, where I think uh, this part's a little muddy because, like, you could tell, I bet that they were going back and forth on should James die or not. Probably. And I, I imagine that there's, like, enough things that they could have went through with a, a different storyline. But, like, for me, a lot of these – a lot of these I, – I don't love – I'll be honest. I don't love the Bond movies that deal with the world-ending consequences. And I know that's the majority of Bond movies. But one of the things that I really liked about Casino Royale was that it was about uncovering this organization, right? It was about – it was a mystery. It was just about Bond trying to turn this one guy – so they could get more information on whatever the hell Quantum was, right, which ended up being Spectre because, spoilers, Quantum was, I guess, too generic. I don't know. I liked that, right? It kind of grounded it a little more reality. In this, they were like, we need a ticking clock going into the third act or else there won't be any tension. What should that ticking clock be? Launch the missiles. Well, like, come on. You, can, you can't explode these missiles in air? Like, there's, it was just a very weird moment where it's like, You've got, you've got M and you've got Moneypenny back in the fucking bullpen being like, what's going to happen? We don't know. And in reality, like, there is no real ticking clock in this. There's no – it's not like Remy Malik had his finger over the button. It was like, when I press this button, everyone in America the virus goes off. off, right? The yeah. virus goes off. We didn't have that. He was just – for all we know, the majority of the virus was sitting still in a place that could be easily destroyed with with time. And then he was making his escape. So it was just kind of weird to me where I'm like – I know they're trying to make me feel that there's some urgency here, but I'm just not, like, I'm not really feeling it other than, and then we go into the really cool long shot, and I was like, fuck it, this is cool. I like this a lot. The Kerry um, Fukunaga special. The though, special, you, right? Uh, the which there was a couple cuts in it, though. I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but for sure there was a couple cuts. There was one of, there was one of the, where the body gets close up gets to the camera. Off, yeah. yeah, but still, it's like, but it was cool. when I you like know it's happening, it's happening. Incredible, it's, man. It is like the, it's like, it's like pornography. You know it when you see it. You know when you're in the middle of a Fukunaga special. Hell yeah. Fukunaga special. That's a badass way to call it. <laughs> uh, of course, Bond heads up to the, uh, the mission control area, and he's like, Hugh, I got to open these last doors or else these missiles are just going to bounce off. Uh, and by the way, they're really nice. funny. <laughs> like, and he's like, "All right, it has to be." What a silly thing specific. to say. He's like, he's, I know. I mean, it wouldn't. It would destroy this and probably make it really, really difficult to get back into. It. At the very least, it would make it very hard to get back into this this facility if you launched all those missiles at it. But again, that's another issue I have with it. I'm like, no, blast doors. Sure, concrete. Sure. How about this? Fire twenty more missiles at this fucking thing. How about that? Fire all the missiles at this thing. You only fired like four. Anyway, I lie. I, I digress. Uh, Q, funny moment here where Q's like, you have to open this up in a very specific manner, and Bond just keeps, starts going through all the things. He goes, got it. And Q's like, oh, all right, fuck me. They open. Bond's making his way out. It looks all good. Uh, at this point, 007 has, has saved his family and gotten them to a safe distance away. But, of course, as he does, he gets shot, and Safin has come back for an, an unexplained reason. We assume just revenge. And he's like, I've got you now, Bond, whatever. Bond snaps his arm off before he does. Safin 
to scratch his face with a little of that nanotech. And he's like, guess what, motherfucker? You can live, but you can never go near your your uh, your lover or your daughter ever again without the threat of killing them. And it's possible that you might touch someone, you might touch them, you might touch someone else who will kill them. So you have to, you're dead with me. And I that fucking like, sucks so and bad. Like, and Bond's like, wait. What was your what was your motivation this whole time? Was it just to beat me? He's like, why? You know, like I thought you wanted to like, like what was the motivation here to make this technology? Are you trying for world domination? Because if so, why the fuck would you come back? Who cares? You could have killed her tomorrow. You could have killed me with this technology. You could have killed anyone anytime you want if you'd have just left the island, right? Like you killed yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the ultimate fucking weapon of mass destruction. But I digress. I guess it just turned out that he was like he was just in love with her and pissed off that he couldn't have her the entire time. Anyway, so Bond just unceremoniously puts four fucking bullets right in his face as he walks away. Love that shot. Just pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Right, goes up and realizes what yeah. has to be done. And he calls, goes back up, opens the blast doors, walks up and, and gets asked to patch back into Matilda or Madeline and says, listen, I'm not going to make it. And he's like, I want you guys to go on. Uh, and she's like, well, I just wish we had more time. And he says, we have all the time in the world. As the bomb, as the bombs, not land, they get, they get over the island and break off into a thousand other little tiny missiles that just carpet bomb the entire island and take the entire thing out, including Bond. As we see that the blast just ripple into him, and it all goes to white. And then we come back, and we get uh, we get a nice scene where uh, all of Bond's team are have have poured him a drink in the middle of the table, and they poured themselves one as well. And uh, uh, M reads a very nice passage from, I forget the author, but it's basically like, hey, don't waste your life. Make your life mean something, even if it's a shorter life. I'd rather live a shorter life that's meaningful than a long life full of nothing. Um, and Bond, of course, has, has done just that, and his death meant something. Uh, and they cheers, and then he says, now back to work. Uh, and then we get a great scene where uh, uh, Matilda and her daughter, James Bond's daughter, are driving, again, uh, mirroring that scene from the end of uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service and the beginning of this movie as well, where they're driving in the old Jag, or the old Aston Martin. And uh, she says, I want to tell you a story about a man named Bond, James Bond. Oh, shit! Damn, Damn that was no good. to die. So, so oh, good. Although we did miss, and Kevin confirmed, though, at the end of the credits, it did say, James Bond will return. Hell yeah. Did it Love say it. James Bond, or did it say 007 will return? I said James Bond. Okay, cool. Well, there you go. Interesting. We'll yeah. Very damn cool. Uh, let's do a little thing I like to call haiku in review. Seven syllables in the middle. You'll need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. You. You can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny to write your review in haiku form, just like James Davis did. This one's kind of multi-parter here. Beautiful city. James Bond jumps off a cool bridge. Oh, shit. Are those sheep? If you were threatened, could you swallow a flash drive? Like a whole <laughs> flash drive. <laughs> hey, Q, Again, I hear no you. No need to swallow. You've got two orifices that can swallow. Boof it. Boof it, everybody. Boof. Hey, Q, I hear you. I just showed someone your watch. Really blew their mind. Uh, ah, that's great. Very hard. Overall I solid. I thought it was very eye-opening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Overall solid. Why Bending tugs some heartstrings. I'll miss Daniel Craig. Amen. Dunhill, 1986. Not so positive on it. I held in a piss so I wouldn't fall asleep. Lisa had an end. How this movie could bore you, I do not understand. Uh, Z-Pole says, there's no time to die. Craig had his time and says bye. 
Now, time for Knives Out. Hell oh, wow. yeah. And I can guarantee you, whenever Knives Out 2 comes out, we will do a Knives Out in review. Get hyped, everybody. Have you ever seen part one? Oh, Andy, you're going to absolutely love it. Do you like Daniel Craig? He's cool, yeah. Do you like, you like Anna Day Armas? I think you say, do you like Daniel Craig with a weird accent? Because I already he's got a weird accent. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so weird. Southern, yeah. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Uh, and then Grant Burton writes in saying, he's back yet again. Only he can save the world. Wait, is that Fox guy? <laughs> the spy is a dad. He was a bit of a lad. The villain is bad. He used to be blonde. He goes above and beyond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Hell yeah, baby. That was very, great, very good. Man. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, Ragu Bagu. Ragu. Bagu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the final Rad Guys Talk. Bad Guys here for the Bond interview series until James Bond returns. That is right now. Number one on the list is Tiago Silver from Skyfall, or as Tim wrote, Skyfail. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, Le Chiffre from Casino Royale is number two. Dominic Green from Quantum of Solace. And then, of course, Blowfield from Spectre rounding out the list. Where do we want to put Saffin from No Time to Die? Oof. It's rough. It's rough. I I feel like he's the worst part of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's still not that bad. But I would go number three. Yeah, because I think it's more interesting than Dominic Green from Quantum, but mm-hmm. Lashif was just cool in Casino, cool. and I like I like that even though he was a bad guy, there was layers to him, and mm-hmm. like you can kind of sympathize isn't the right word, but understand his motives. So and also I, I, he I, I was a great through. poker player. Also, he yeah. was whipping his ball sack with the whip with that. You're right. Hurting. You're right. Yeah, that was crazy. crazy. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I would say put it in my three. I think he's. Uh, I think he. I think the the performance elevates it. Unfortunately, his motivations, the material didn't really back that up. But I do think he's more compelling than Dominic Green and Blowfield from Spectre. I agree. I agree with all that. Shout out to Bond for having a kid after all that testicle torture. I mean, yeah, hey, man. good point. Maybe he froze some sperm. You don't know. Mm. You don't know. You don't know. So, so me, uh, Andy, and Nick. Know. We all say. <laughs> we all say three. Kev, I thought you were putting up a two. Okay, Kev can't really talk right now because Paul is there. But uh, anyways, there we go. Uh, the new rankings, number one, Tiago Silver from Skyfall. Number two, Lashif from Casino Royale. Number three, Saffin from No Time to Die. Number four, Dominic Green from Quantum of Solace. And number five, Blofeld from Spectre. And now it's time to rank the James Bond movies. Currently number one, we have Skyfall. Number two, Casino Royale. Number three, Quantum of Solace. And number four, Spectre. I'm going to start this off with Barrett Courtney, who is also doing votes in this series, who writes in and says, No time to die thoughts. I thought this was a solid end to Craig's run as Bond. The stakes were well set from the top, and the action was so damn fun and had me on the edge of my seat. The cinematography was excellent as well. The action sequence in the forest might be my favorite in all of his films. I loved Anna Darmus and wish we got more of her, and I think Lashana Lynch and Craig played off each other really well. While I think Malik played his role excellently, his introduction was so good. I think his motivations felt weak compared to the other villains. Everything felt well tied together in Spectre, and this final villain felt so disconnected from it all. While I don't know if... I think Craig's death was completely earned, and the movie sort of just ends on a weird note. I still really liked it overall. Also, Kojima or Konami about to sue somebody. Uh, with our current ranking, I would put it at number two under Skyfall. This is number one with a bullet for me. Easy. Easy for me. Like, uh, it's not even close. Evan Coelho also is emphatically quietly saying number one, number one, Mouthing number one. Mouthing the word number Mouthing, one. Yeah. Kevin's uh, saying number five. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. <laughs> Nick Scarpino. 
Um, I definitely liked this more than Skyfall. I think it's a more complete film. Um, the the issue I'm having is I just I, I there's such a special place in my heart for Casino Royale, um, just because it's it's just a special movie to me. It's not nearly as good as this movie. Um, it's very much an action film, but I feel like I don't want to put it above Casino Royale. So I would put it at number three, knowing fully well and fully supporting you guys putting it at number one. Uh, I'm just going to put it down there because I love Casino Royale. It's kind of a spe- it's a special movie to me. I, I think that that's fair, Nick. I think that's fair because I think that unlike your your Fast and Furious one and your Iron Man of all this started all, so you got to give it credit. Casino Royale is a very unique film, and there there is nothing like it. Whereas with No Time to Die and Skyfall, there are things like it. We compare it uh, emphatically to the Mission Impossible series and other things. So it's like there is that level where Casino Royale is a very special movie. Having said that, this is easily number one for me. No Time to Die, I think, is just consistently great throughout. I said it earlier, but even just doing this review, I'm, it makes me realize like I like this movie even more than I did when I walked out of the theater last night um still some iffy stuff in that uh once it gets the island but at the end of the day i love it it's goofy it's silly mm-hmm. the island stuff and it ends in a way that really it got me maybe tear up with the bond james bond stuff and that's really all you can ask for for a film like this that is trying to wrap something up it wrapped things up successfully and you know in a world where these major franchises that we've kind of grown with like we're in the era of franchises right mm-hmm. like this is it's never been uh, before there was trilogies but now it's just like there's decades-long adventures that we see with characters, and sometimes you get Endgame, and sometimes you get Rise of Skywalker. Sometimes you get uh, the Game of Thrones ending. This isn't that. This is a definitive, amazing end to Daniel Craig's journey as James Bond. So, number one, which means the rankings now. Number one, No Time to Die. Number two, Skyfall. Number three, Casino Royale. Number four, Quantum of Solace. And number five, Spectre. Like I said earlier, we will return next week with Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills featuring the one and only Kyle Richards. Uh, and also, Nick, never forget, Denise Richards, also a Bond girl. So there you go. There you go. Chris wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> even say anything. Don't say anything. But anyways, I love you all. Thanks for joining us with this. Uh, and a lot of people didn't even know that we did James Bond in review because uh, we ha- we've had a lot of new fans join us over the last couple of years during our work from home days. So please go check out all of our interview series. We've done countless franchises at this point. Like, it is kind of insane to look at the uh, the programming sheet that I have. Hold on. Give me one sec. I want to get the number here because it blew my mind earlier looking at this, that we have recorded 273 episodes of In Review. 273. Wow. Really? Half of those are Pixar movies. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> straight up. You'll love to see it. Until next time, love you guys. Bye. So what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Kind of Funny's Batman in Review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every theatrically released Batman movie. As always, I am Tim Geddes. Dude, the distortion sounds exactly the same from what. No, he sounds way clearer in the movie for no reason. Joined by Kevin Coelho. I'm blown away. Uh, It's perfect. Me? 
Yeah, yeah, and everything you're yeah, doing, right? This is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, audio yeah. listeners, it, this isn't your equalizer you need to adjust. Your your, your speaker didn't just bust. It's Tim is wearing I brought him up. Bane's mask. I brought him up. Tim's Wait, talk Bane's again? Yeah. I mean, that didn't really help. <laughs> that didn't help that much. We are ready for We have Commissioner James Gordon, Greg Miller. I'm Gonzo for Gordo, everybody. Yes, <laughs> My cosplay for Gordon is him going to Cleveland to see his fucking kids. That's who I am. I got a pack of my little bag going over there, checking in on Barbara Two and Jim Two. Such a small bag, such a small bag. And uh, rounding us out uh, is supposed to be Nick Scarpino, but uh, I, he's not here. What's that uh, bell? Oh, there he is. Oh no, uh, I heard it. I heard something. There he is. And the cat. <laughs> Nick Scarpino. The cat burglar. His, his name is Lady, right? Yeah. The cat's name is Lady. He's going to break that microphone. Yeah. <laughs> he's committed a bit, though. Oh, yeah. He already broke it out. He's trying to fix it quietly. He's bringing it back up. Yeah, okay. Oh, man. This is in review. Uh, you can watch it live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, or you can watch it later on youtube.com slash kindoffunny or roosterteeth.com if you want to listen to it. Just search your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny Reviews, and we'll be right there for you. If you want to get the show ad-free, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producers did. James Davis, at James Davis Makes, Andrew Feisner, Jeremy, the Zook, Zuccarello, and the Simply Sassy crew. Thank you all for being Patreon producers. We appreciate you all so very, very much. God, this I'm bald right now, and you're still the most disturbing-looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already having a great time, guys. You know why? Because I'm why? adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. You are. <laughs> oh, man. Today, we are talking about The Dark Knight Rises, released July 20th, 2012. Once again, and finally, directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, music by Hans Zimmer. An interesting thing, Andy, I don't know if you have the answer to this. I couldn't find the answer. But uh, this is the first time James Newton Howard was dropped from the credits of the music. So it seems like it's just Hans Zimmer that did this one. Really? Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know so that. I mean, that may make sense for why Catwoman's theme was kind of funky. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't all Hans Zimmer all along, you know? Just, just to be clear, like, are, you, are you committing to this face mask the whole bit, or you want to take yeah, it off yeah, now? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm wearing this fucking costume. We talked. We have to all do this. Uh, Tim, the all year. Tim, if you took off the mask, what would happen? It hurt a lot. What? <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it hurt a lot. Tim, you're doing the man living on set. Okay, don't worry about. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Andy for his his uh, his amazing Joseph Gordon-Levitt costume he's got. Yeah, going right yeah, it's good. You look great, man. I just need like a code and like kind of like backing through a door. Remember that shot from the trailer? It's it's in the movie too. It's can you do me a favor? Can you shoot someone with your gun and then look at your gun and go? No, I never want to use it again. And then throw it away. Police work, guys. You guys. He shot the dude and was not able to get any information. And he was like, "Well, yeah, this is guns are bad." Yeah, where yeah. he was about to die. All right. Yeah. And not to mention, he shot him by ricocheting a bullet off of a dump truck. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Prequel. What is going on? It's really cool. Budget of $250 million, a box office of $1.081 billion, making it the second film in the Batman film series to earn a billion dollars, in addition to being Nolan's highest grossing film. Uh, at the time, it was the seventh highest grossing film of all time, as well as the third highest grossing film of 2012. Remember 2012, also the year The Avengers came out. 
Uh, runtime of two hours and 45 minutes. Each movie from the Dark Knight trilogy is 12 minutes longer than the previous one. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. 12 minutes. Uh, remember. Calendar Man, guys, it was a hint for the next movie that never happened. This is the first Batman movie by Christopher Nolan that did not get an Academy Award nomination, and the third Batman movie after Batman Mask of Phantasm and Batman and Robin that did not receive a single nomination. Now let's talk about this movie. I'm taking this mask off. Oh, yeah, he's got to there. I'll, I'll take my costume let's, off. Let's, let's, no, no, stop, Nick. Oh, my God. Oh, that was painful. You look like Mr. Zaz now. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Kevin, go full screen. Did he cut himself? Is that blood or is that just the way the light's catching nah, it? No, it's, it's, it's just, just the indentation. crazy. Uh, uh, you should get a scar, Tim. Yeah, scars are cool. Dude, you're going to look so bad by the end of this company. <laughs> He's doing it to himself too. That's the crazy thing. Is that, He's got cut open. Yeah, nobody's forcing him to do this. Yeah, I'm like my wife cool who forced me to get into this costume. We'll just go with that narrative. Okay, okay. that's a fine narrative. We'll go with that. Sure. <laughs> this movie is nowhere near as bad as people try to make it out to be. And those it people really are just isn't. just Greg Miller. It's fine. Is it as good as the other two? Not not even close. But I do think that if this was like the fifth movie in a in a MCU style Dark Knight universe, it would be super awesome. It just kind of feels a little bit rushed, and like I, the thing that upsets me most is that uh, this is the last we get of this world, and it, it, it bums me out that uh, that we kind of, you know, got Batman Begins setting up this awesome stuff and all the Ra's al Ghul, League of Shadows. We get Dark Knight. I don't even need to talk about it. We all understand Joker, Two-Face. What an amazing thing. And Perfect then we're just supposed to understand that, uh, yes, Nick, exactly. Uh, th- then it just sucks that Batman's been gone for, what was it, seven years? And it's eight just like, years. Eight, eight years. And then it's like, all right, cool. So that means, like, there wasn't any other bad guys. You know, it's I mean, like... It's like and it, it just, Gordon Levitt said, like, look, we got nothing to do out here. I'm bored, dog. I'm bored. And, it, and it, because of that, it's like, it kind of just feels that there's this this whole Batman ethos that we're, we're, we're kind of robbed of, you know? Uh, and then we get this movie, and it just kind of wraps it all up so quickly uh, that this kind of could have been a much longer thing with the things happening in between. Because of that, I feel it's a little bit lesser then. But what they went for is a very interesting, cool story. I just think that it's boring in comparison to the others. Uh, and boring is not always the worst mm-hmm. thing. And that's the thing. It's like this movie still works. This is still a great movie. I just think that when you look at it as a, what it is, which is a Dark Knight trilogy movie and a Nolan movie, it definitely is just okay. It does the same thing you see so many superhero movies fuck up. Because you're, I, I disagree with some of the things you're saying, Tim, but not by a wide margin at all, right? Of like, it just does the classic thing of let's shove way too much into this fucking film. Let's put all of these different things in there so you never have a chance to get attached to any. Think of Batman Begins in the way, uh, 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 well, Ra's al Ghul, what was it, Ducard in the front? Like mm-hmm. the way that character, you know, <clears throat> and we got to forget about that character and then have him come back and matter. Whereas this one's just person.